For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Probably should have mentioned this when I was talking about the weather a while ago. Uh, Cork Bureau reporting overnight uh, a mini, they call it a mini tornado. Would you believe it? I've seen the video footage. I've seen the, some of the photographs actually of it. The bottom of Barrick Street was sealed off by emergency services after this mini tornado, inverted commas, left rubbish and bins and sheets of metal scattered around the place. It was like galvanised metal hanging off poles and things. If that had hit somebody, it could have done serious damage. A real freak wind yesterday, apparently, on uh, Barrick Street. Uh, and also, we had another visitor yesterday. It wasn't a freak win, but it was an incredible guy, and that was the great Roy Keane, who brought Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher uh, to Leaside. Apparently took them down for some fabulous photographs with the gang and all of the staff and the players and the trainers and what have you at Rockmount. Uh, all the fantastic uh, crew got to meet Roy and Gary and Jamie. Some great photographs online. As was he revisiting and showing his pals where he played uh, for so many years all those years ago and they had a fantastic time apparently and gave loads of their time to meet with people and stand with photographs so well done Kino Um, I don't know if you could say the same about our government Uh, many would suggest um, and I don't know I mean be alarmist or almost kind of tabloidy when I say for the first time in a long, 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 long time, I suppose, since the Land League, an Irish government has voted a measure into a law that will see people being evicted. Mm. And I suppose I should also be trying to look at it through the prism of landlords who want to get out and want to sell. I understand all of that. But at the end of the day, it's a sad one, isn't it, for everybody? Certainly for the uh, 4,700 people who have been issued with eviction notices in the last three months leading up to the eviction ban being lifted. So that's the reality of it. Um, You know, uh, the Taoiseach at the same time is telling The Sun this morning, or at least they're quoting, saying that the government uh, is built to last as the coalition easily beat the Sinn Féin motion to keep the eviction ban. But what kind of sticks in my craw, really, um, is the reasoning behind the group of independent TDs who supported the government and the reasons behind that, what was in it for them. Maybe that's for another day, lads. Uh, I won't go into much detail because I'll I'll do a a, a wrap with uh, Barry Roach at the end of the second week of the trial of the Romanian accused of murdering uh, 64-year-old Frankie Dunn. Uh, That continues uh, on Lee's side, the trial of Yonat Cosman Nicolescu. uh, And the evidence yesterday featured quite an amount of the uh, back and forth and the interviewing in Romania when Irish guardian detectives um, went over to interview him, a team of detectives from Anglesey Street um, and um, Nicolescu was there accompanied by uh, his his own Romanian lawyer and and um, uh, Romanian police officers. So much of it had to do with um, uh, Mr. Nicolescu's um, recall of the events that he says happened in the house in um, uh, Balangrena House on the Borean Manor Road and it had to do with the two men that he said that actually did the killing. Now I'm going to the gruesome details but a lot of the evidence yesterday had to do with what happened to Frankie Dunn's body, um, who did what um, and what um, Nicolescu uh, alleges he was told to do by these two men who were threatening him if he didn't do what he was told. So that was evidence that could be given yesterday. There was one interesting question that the uh, Cork detectives asked him because one of the questions was, why did you leave the country days after Frankie Dunn's remains were found? And he said, uh, I was afraid I could go to jail for something I didn't do. So that trial continues in the criminal courts on Lee said. A couple of other interesting court cases actually just to update you on, particularly with regards to Finton Tindley, uh, who's been charged with producing a knife at the post office on the South Douglas Road in November. 
on the 11th of November and a second time on the 18th of November. And he's charged also with producing a knife at Ballin Temple Post Office on the 16th. So three dates quite close to each other. He's also now been charged with three new counts of making death threats on each of those occasions. These are allegations, of course, which should be heard in court, but he's been remanded in custody until a, late, until a later date now because the book of evidence needs to be served and what have you. And so that's the latest update on Fintan Tinley from, uh, from Mahan, who um, was, a, was a, a HSE home care assistant and is uh, charged with uh, robbing the post office uh, on the South Douglas Road on November the 11th and the other charges that I've mentioned already. And do you know, um, story I told you about, you've probably heard of it, somebody went into the Crawford Art Gallery trying to damage artwork in there. Uh, it was a Budovant man uh, by the name of Thomas Shinnock from Budovant. Uh, he's been charged with causing criminal damage to the painting. It was, um, if I remember correctly, it was a George Atkinson's painting in there. He alleged, it's a, The allegation is that he threw soup at it uh, he's been given an option now to contest the case or enter a plea of guilty uh, on uh, May, 10, May 10th. But it's very interesting. He's also been charged with uh, being in possession of a screwdriver uh, on the same occasion without a lawful excuse. Um, so uh, this is even more made more, more interesting because it says that uh, when he was in there, and he, they described what he was wearing and the high-vis jacket and things like that, but clipped to the high-vis jacket were dozens of handwritten signs bearing all sorts of different messages. And apparently the messages included, no art on a dead planet. Another one said, we won't quit. Uh, and others then talking about fuel poverty, oil and related matters. Uh, and the final thing that uh, is, is happening, not necessarily in the courts, but certainly in our jails, is the case of uh, Barbie Kardashian. This is the prisoner who's on, apparently now is in strict solitary confinement and will never be allowed to mix with the rest of the female prison population. And the star reveals that this morning because Barbie Kardashian is in a female jail, although born male, now known as Barbie Kardashian, and has been legally recognized now as female, um, is said also to be leaving some prison officers in fear. Um, because there's been allegations of threats being made behind bars. So something's going to happen with regards to that, because even Leo Varadkar has said we need to look at our laws with regards to that, because her imprisonment has sparked all sorts of debate now about whether or not she should be housed in a female prison or in a male prison in accordance to her anatomical birth, if you like. Uh, in other news, the ESB, and I was telling you yesterday about the obscene profits made um, yes, last year, in a year of fuel poverty for many, um, they made over 850 million euro in sheer profit. And they're saying, mm, we may give cash back to households. What was it, the last one? 50 euro, like a sop of 50 euro. So this morning, the star is saying that they may well uh, give customers some kind of cash back at some stage out of their profits. They want to share the love, I suppose. A bit like AIB sharing the love with those who can't repay debt. And that includes the GA legend uh, DJ Kerry. Mind you, he's only one of 83 different AIB customers who had at least, at least one million written off. And in some cases, an awful lot more. Because when you add it all up, the AIB wrote off 3.5 billion euro since they started bank write-offs in 2015. So that's the disclosure uh, that makes the front of the mail today. Um, and you might be entitled to a few bob back, uh, me included actually, lots of us. If you can't get an NCT, uh, actual NCT, within 28 days um, of the date that your NCT is up, forgive me now, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, then you get it for free. 
you get it for free. And apparently already 2,000 motorists have been offered a free NCT test since the start of the year because of the delays. It's normally 55 euro, but there is a thing called a customer charter. I love that. Customer charters are always buried away somewhere and we know nothing about it. But when we find out about it, we realise actually, you know something... I'm entitled to money here. And the f- do you know, Kevin, the figure? There are 375,000 cars on Irish roads with no certs. Yeah. So that should be 375,000 free 55 euro NCTs. Well, I'm actually shocked that so many people have managed to be- avail of this because we, to be fair, a number of our listeners have gotten in touch to say, uh, you know, our good, our good friends of usual saying, uh, pointing it out, we were talking about NCT recently and we got loads of texts from people saying, you could actually get it for free. There's yeah. no reason why you can't get it for free. But it's, it's the idea of it's a bit like Ryanair right you're entitled to a compensation but will you actually end up with the compensation at the end of the day and what do you have to do to get that compensation well can we look at the story a little deeper over the next couple of days definitely absolutely exactly what people have to do as you say there's hundreds of thousands of cars I mean I went to get my insurance uh, the other day and he was asking for an NCT cert for the insurance and even my own insurer said look don't worry about it there's so many cars out there that aren't NCT'd it's actually not that big a deal no but when when it gets done it should be free absolutely don't talk to me about cars insurance. I was talking to my father yesterday. Love him very much. Love him dearly. He's 89 years old. He's cheaper car insurance than me. And he is 89. Okay, well, well it depends on what you're driving though. Is that if you look at any car I've been driving over the last 10 years, he's got cheaper car insurance than me. <laughs> well, I kind of, no, no disrespect. Any no claims, Neil? Any major? Well, you, I won't go into that kind of thing. <laughs> in the air, but, ah, yeah, but there, well. <laughs> I've had no claims. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't get it. It's really, you know, think that they'd be loaded. I mean, this, I don't mean to sound ageist or anything like that, but. I know. it's, uh, it's Car insurance it, is like a lottery. It you is. Your finger in the air. Absolutely. And I know people, I know several people that say they take the day off work and ring around different insurance companies to get the best he they do. He took a day off work yesterday to do off the, well he doesn't work. Yeah yeah the well he took a day off of, of not doing anything to, to do that. He probably broke yeah. him down I'd say <laughs> the way he does. He broke him down by staying on the phone and ringing back and ringing back. Anyway. It's like uh, Uncle Colm in uh, Derry Girls is it that kind of uh, that kind of style for anybody who's watched I that show? I don't know that show. Oh no you've never watched Father Ted or Derry Girls. I know I know. Ah Jeannie Mac we have to get you on the old Irish comedy uh, have to, I'm going to start watching Kin. I hear that's good. I Kin. haven't, I haven't heard of that now. But uh, I started watching Narcos recently. Oh, my oh God. What yeah, a show. I, I wish I were you. I'd what love to be show. able to watch that all oh over again. Actually, talking about American things. Thank you. Uh, Donald Trump wants to be arrested in public, and he wants it filmed for television. Um, and it could well happen. They haven't quite decided yet whether to arrest him and when on the alleged fraud char- fraud charges relating to. Uh, the uh, payment to Stormy Daniels but he says he wants his arrest to be filmed uh, and it, he, it the, because the Red Tops is suggesting that if it's filmed it will whip up support for him apparently for the upcoming um, presidential election in America and Boris Johnson's before uh, the a big grilling at the moment over Partygate and that's making all of the papers uh, politicians swearing on their heart that they didn't tell lies always makes me smile and who's going to get the late late gig is it down now to these three Brendan O'Connor Claire Byrne and Sarah McInerney I don't know but that's what the sun is suggesting that these are the three left in the race in fact it is also suggested in this morning's star that Ryan Tuberty might run for the Auris as in for president <laughs> Fianna Fáil TD Willie O'Dea has said he would welcome um, Ryan Tuberty in the Auras. Not that it's Willie O'Dea's call or anything, but it would have to be, you could only do this if Ryan Tuberty joins Fianna Fáil and then is nominated by Fianna Fáil to run 
for the office. So rumours are swirling in Fianna Fáil that he could be asked to be on the ticket for the next presidential election. Here was I always thinking that Miriam McCallaghan was going to be our next president. And then, of course, the feuding brothers make the papers. I'll come back to some more p- stories a little later on because I'm under pressure for time. But I see the Gallagher brothers. Wouldn't it be a great thing if Oasis got back together again and that Noel and Liam Gallagher just call it quits on this 14-year feud? Well, Noel Gallagher has finally called on his brother Liam to end the feud and to phone him. So Noel has told Liam to phone him and you can be damn sure what Liam said to Noel. No, you phone me first. I mean, I don't know what the backstory is. They probably started over something really stupid back back in the day at some gig that they were at where there was a fallout. But it's just got worse and worse and worse. And of course, the division has got wider and wider. Wouldn't it be easy just to kill it off? bit like the story you're talking about this morning in the mirror with Beethoven. Apparently it's booze killed Beethoven. He, um, You know what they did? They were, they were get a lock of his hair. And they were able to test the lock of the hair, some kind of genome testing for DNA. And they were able to work out that he died of liver disease and that he died of hepatitis C. And these were the two fatal factors that killed him. But his actual um, consumption of alcohol, of course, led to all of these things. So not only a, a, a broken liver um, or damage to the pancreas, um, abdominal pain, migraines. They were able to tell all of this from uh, just one, apparently one piece of hair. And he died in Vienna at the age of 56 in 1827 and apparently was well known for downing a bottle of wine with each meal uh, and ed- ended up at the age of 57 bedridden uh, with all sorts of issues that ultimately killed him. Lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And very quickly, if you don't mind, I would talk to uh, Imasha Costa uh, because she is um, actually uh, in a position to tell us a little bit about this uh, mini tornado on Barrack Street. Imasha, Imasha, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And Amasha also writes for Cork Bio, and it's the Cork Bio story that I was referring to overnight. Did you witness it? Because you, you live on Barrack Street, do you? I do. I live in the area, and let me tell you, Neil, it was absolutely wild. Like, I, I, I still can't wrap my head around it. What did you hear? Were you um, in home in the apartment or what? So I was at home in my apartment. I was, like, you know, well asleep. I was, like, um, so around um, half twelve... Um, we heard this like massive noise, like, you know, wind, like, you know, just bashing through the road and like it was shaking our building, the roof, the doors, the windows. And I woke up with such a fright and I was just there like, oh my God, what is happening? I thought the house was about to fall down or something. But it only like lasted for 10 seconds and then it was gone. So why was the street closed off subsequently? What kind of damage was done by that 10 so, seconds? like, um, the fire brigade arrived 15 minutes after it happened and um, I went downstairs to have a little nose myself because I was curious to see what happened. And I went downstairs and you could see, like, you know, electric wires all hanging low. There was a, there was galvanised metal there, like, you know, lo- like, lodged into a power box right outside our house so hence they've closed off this road here because it's just dangerous at the moment and not safe to drive on the road and I saw the photograph of that galvanised sheeting that's stuck in the sky but if that had come down the street with people walking on it there would have been fatalities definitely yeah it would have been Um, but thankfully there there were no reports of any injuries and um, it's just rubbish bins everywhere Um, there were concrete slabs that came down Barrack Street as well from a working site. Concrete slabs were moved. Yeah, I, I like as far as I can tell, like they just 
they were just moved all the way down to like the bottom of Barrack Street. Oh it's my since God. been removed. But um, like Cork City Council crews were busy working away to like, you know, clean up all of the mess that was here. But it was absolutely wild. And I was and I woke up later on at six in the morning to go and see around and actually have a look at what was done and the damage as well. There were a few houses here now with like the, the roof slates coming off, um, a few broken windows. And in our building, the ceiling off in the hallway which is connected, which is connected to the roof. There are cracks in it, so that's the extent of the damage that I've seen so Cracked far. But I'm ceilings sure indoor from a wind down Barrack Street means it must have yeah. put serious stress on the building structures. Mother of God, it's unbelievable. Yeah. What do they call this, incidentally, Imash? Is it's it called so, a high vortex wind? Is it? Yeah, that's what we understand. It's been called a high vortex wind, very similar to kind of like a mini tornado. So, yeah. I wonder why they happen, though. be interesting to dig I, into. Is it, the, is it that yeah, Barrick no, Street is so narrow that it's a perfect channel for wind or something like that? Um, I mean, like, you know, whenever there's, like, heavy wind belting down a Barrick Street, usually there's, like, a lot of echoing with the wind, but never something like this. This is my, my first time I've ever witnessed anything like this, and I've been living here now for four years, and it's just... It's mental. And I suppose, thankfully, nobody was on Barrack Street in the early hour of the morning. You know, they oh, could have thankfully, been... no one was. But then um, my housemate, who also went downstairs to have a nose, she saw people like 10, 15 seconds later, um, like, you know, walking back up the street and stuff, like trying to get back home, basically. Unbelievable. Yeah. Thank God everybody was safe. Okay, well, yeah. I know that you guys carry the story and also the photographs and the video so people can check yeah. out uh, Corkbio online. Thanks for taking the call, Amasha. Thanks for the update from overnight. Thankfully, everybody's safe. Is it still closed off? Um, I'm just looking out my window here. Yeah, so Evergreen Street is currently closed off there all the way to the former badly made books uh, shop and um, when I went up Barrack Street this morning it was closed from Broderick's Chemist all the way down there Okie dokie um, hopefully for not too much longer Have a good day today, thanks for taking the call That's Amesha Costa, journalist with uh, Cork Bio Just a quick uh, shout out to Killian Murphy, to Fiona Shaw and also to Graham Norton They have all been shortlisted for BAFTAs and they all are from Cork Talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818-104-106 Red FM Talking about the changing seasons Fair play to you Don He says other visitors arrived in Cork yesterday Others came home Aquino was home yesterday And he says other visitors arrived home yesterday The swallows are at the lock Thanks for that Don They're the kind of texts that I love to read out Now I will be coming back a little later on this morning Talking to people who have travelled overseas For various forms of surgery I've dealt with this topic in the past We're talking about bariatric surgery Gastric bypass, sleeves Some people who've had uh, dental work worked on, some people who have had tummy tucks or breast augmentation um, and there are different stories to be told some who are very happy with it, others of course who had horrific tripe t- uh, a horrific um, um, story to tell with regards to the complications thereafter but earlier in the week um, Mr. Cullum O'Boyle who is the bariatric surgeon in the Bonds made the front of the echo warning people about going overseas for foreign surgery uh, and he joins me by phone Cullum good morning Good morning, Neil. Thanks so much for taking the time. I know it's busy for you this morning, so I get straight to it. We know of some of the attractions of going overseas. A lot of them are financial. What are the pitfalls? 
Oh, there are a number of pitfalls. I think the most important pitfall is the, the higher likelihood of a complication and the complication not being treated properly if it occurs because the patients are discharged very early and the complication it becomes evident by the time they arrive home. Um, one of the big issues would be um, clots, which can occur, which is occur at higher incidence in patients who undergo bariatric surgery. Um, and we would advise no patient to fly for at least a month after any surgery, let alone bariatric surgery. But they're flying actually home in, in a matter of days sometimes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the complications are flying too soon, being discharged after the surgery too soon, potential leaks, hemorrhaging, infection, um, those kind of things, isn't it? That, that then need, yeah. would it be corrective work when they get home from the likes of yourself? Yes, well, all, all of those kind of complications can occur anyway. If they occur when someone's abroad, they don't get treated in time and properly. And depending on the institution the patients go to, uh, they may not be a very good centre. It's very hard to know because it's not, surgery is not as well regulated in certain countries. So it's even a question of who you choose, what surgery you choose. That, that can be done, I'm told, by referral from somebody else who's already had the surgery. That, that I'm told that clinics and hospitals are using patients to attract new business. Is that the case? That's what I'm being told by the patients on a, on a regular basis, that certain patients who've had surgery are offered financial benefit if they find further patients to bring to various units. And I don't know which units do that, but it's, it's, a, it's a fairly moral hazard situation. It's questionable, at least, you say, is it? Mm. Yeah. Well, the patients will be incentivized to, to, to uh, get people to the unit regardless of how, of how good it is if they're being paid. Is there, is there any worry that if something, it's, it's significantly cheaper, it could be, you know, it could be three grand as opposed to 10 or maybe 15 grand here at home. But is there any worry that if it is that cheap, um, that, that corners could be cut? Inevitably, Neil, if, 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 if the surgery is cheaper, corners are being cut. There's no question about that. I mean, it, the, the surgery is certainly expensive in Ireland, but all the surgeons in Ireland will use the best quality equipment and, 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 and stapling guns, etc. And furthermore, the cost of the surgery in Ireland includes a huge pre-operative and post-operative assessment. So patients will spend six months being assessed by dietitians, physiotherapists, uh, endocrinologists if they have diabetes, cardiologists if they have uh, cardiac problems to make sure they're fit for surgery uh, or that any medical conditions are treated properly before they go to surgery. And then following surgery, they're followed up for life, which is actually really important because they have to, they have, to have ongoing bloods checked and they can develop vitamin and mineral deficiencies if they aren't on the appropriate supplements. There's some patients regain weight and they can be treated further in different ways and advised appropriately how to, how to keep the weight off. Um, but all of, those ex, all of that treatment that you're talking about could, could be maybe six to eight months before surgery with teams of psychologists, endocrinologists, cardiologists, uh, respiratory physicians. All of that puts the price up and out of the reach of many people who just want to lose weight and can't. 
But it's not as simple. You, you can't simply go for surgery with a view to losing weight. There's a whole process and a patient journey to go through. I think that's probably not properly understood. I, I'm doing this for 25 years. If patients just go for surgery and then walk away, the chances of the surgery being effective long-term are much reduced. And then the other aspect is they may not get the right operation. I personally don't do that many sleeve gastrectomies, whereas most patients going abroad would be offered a sleeve gastrectomy. And the reason is the patients tend to fail two, three, four years down the line and regain a lot of the weight. How can that happen if, say, in a gastric bypass, your stomach's the size of a golf ball or something like that, isn't it? The physiology adapts and the patient can change their habits. Like if, if patients drink high-calorie drinks, they can defeat any uh, oh, right. So they must be advised long term uh, by dietitians, advised to, uh, to, to, to keep focused because uh, any of these surgeries can be defeated if the patient decides to defeat them. Jessica, do you mind me asking, because I'm curious as to who typical patients are, whether it's here or overseas, do we have any statistical evidence between the ratio of men to women or, you know, the, the, the age of people and, and the average loss of weight? Do, do you have any stats on that? Yeah, well, uh, the, the majority are women. It's, it tends to be two-thirds women, one-third men. The men tend to be sicker and have more diabetes and medical problems. Um, and the, the average age is about 46, 47. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I see a lot of younger patients and a lot of much older patients as well. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Okay, no, so okay, it's three to one women to men. Average age is 46. What, what, and when you sit down with them, because I think you've done, if my maths are right, something in the region of maybe 12, 1,300 of these operations between here and the UK. What are the reasons, the main reasons that they give for wanting to lose weight or to go through the surgery? Oh, it's, it's the simple things. I want to see my children grown up. I want to look after my grandchildren. I want to see them grow up. Um, I'd like to wear normal clothes. It's it's really it's really basic fundamental things that people would like to do again that we all take for granted. We're talking to a, a young young woman later on who actually did go to Turkey, um, and but the changing point in her life was taking her children to Disneyland and getting stuck in one of the seats in the rides. She just couldn't get out of it. She was twenty two stone. That was the final straw for her, you know. Yes, and people will say things like, I have to book two flights on a, on, a, on a plane when I want to fly, or I'd really like to not have to use the seatbelt extender. Um, uh, some patients are really delighted that they can bend down and tie their shoes without help when they lose the weight. You know, Colin, um, when we look at people who do go overseas, and there are many, many thousands, and sadly some have died, um, and I have um, some stories regarding that, which I'll, which I'll come back to. One was a young mother from Dublin who went and underwent bariatric procedure, caused her death. Um, family had to go to Turkey to repatriate her. Another was a man who went out for dental surgery work, apparently, and, and also died. But my point is, we only hear of it when it goes wrong, when, when really maybe the vast majority of the surgery is actually fine and people are delighted with it and come home and get on with their lives. I think most people are probably okay, um, but you've got a large group of people going abroad who come back and they don't have adequate follow-up and they're lost in the system and there's no monitoring of their weight or how well they ultimately do in the long term. Um, I have patients coming to me who've been abroad and they've regained all the weight. 
so we, we don't have a, a, in, in Ireland, in our centres, we monitor all our patient outcomes so we know exactly how the patients are doing and that helps us modify the procedures or change procedures if we feel a certain procedure isn't going the right way and having the adequate success rate. One of the girls that I'd be talking to actually was telling me that the biggest um, problem after it wasn't anything to do with the surgery. That was fabulous. You lost loads of weight. But it was psychologically, it led to even even depression, trying to... It's hard for me to understand why, but she said psychologically she wasn't prepared to cope with the difference. Do you understand that? With most people, it's the other way around. With most people, it's the other way around. People tend to be depressed, and when they lose the weight, they're much happier. But quite a few initially need a bit of psychological support because they'll say, God, what have I done? I can't eat what I used to be able to eat. But the majority will be really happy because losing the weight suddenly improves their quality of life, their sleeping is better, their energy is better, etc. But that's why we, there's a lot of psychological input, both pre- and post-operatively, and that's really important to have that facility available for those patients that might require it. Have you had to correct the damage um, of surgery overseas at the bonds? I've had to correct a lot of lap man problems. What's that? Um, the, 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 the earlier, so it's, not performed, it's not really performed very much at all in Ireland now. I haven't been performing it for 10 years, but it used to be the most popular procedure where a, a band is put in laparoscopically uh, around the top of the stomach. The gastric band, band. Can slip, Yes, the gastric band. Lap band and gastric band. That can slip up or down or erode into the stomach. I'm still seeing problems related to lap band many years afterwards from pa- patients who've been operated abroad. Because when patients went abroad in the past, that was the operation they were always offered. They weren't offered the bigger operations. Now they're mainly off- offered a sleeve when some of them should be having a bypass. I've not dealt with the acute, really sick patients because they tend to ring an ambulance and go straight into the, the bigger centres and end up in an intensive care unit for a couple of months. But and that is happening, is it? That is happening. All, all the time. All the time. And I th- I've made a point with other surgeons that we should, be, we should be making some record of these numbers because it's regularly happening in Cork that patients are in the Mercy and CUH. It's happening in Galway and it's happening in Dublin all the time. But would that be for things like wounds not healing or pain or um, sepsis or things like that? This would be very sick patients who leak from the staple line, which is one one of the complications we fear as surgeons. So the stomach contents leak out into the abdomen and they become very sick. And that that can take a while to manifest after a sleeve. So the patients are at home by the time they get really sick and then they go to hospital. And when that complication is picked up late, they tend to be a lot sicker and uh, end up in the intensive care unit for months. Do you have any thoughts as to why people on planet Earth are getting bigger and bigger and more and more obese? Um, the word fat now is not used anymore. It's not an acceptable term. But do you have any thoughts on that? It, it, it clearly is, is diet. It's diet. It's lifestyle. It's, it's, it's a disease. And I think it's really important that people understand in the past even GPs would be critical of the patients and they'd say go away and stop eating. It's not as simple as that. It's actually recognised internationally as a disease. There was a lot, of, really was a lot of fallout though over that wasn't there that some said it's actually not it's a, it's a lifestyle choice. It's not a lifestyle choice. I can tell you from doing this for 25 years yeah. it's definitely not a lifestyle choice. When patients come to see me 
sometimes they break down and cry when they realize there's a straightforward operation that can help them. They're desperate to sort out that problem, but they can't do it. Is that a food addiction then? It's not a food addiction as such. I mean, it, you only need to take in a couple of hundred calories too much a day to progressively pile it on, and then it's extremely difficult to get it off. I think we all have problems keeping our weight down. Our natural tendency is from the, from the, the days of the caveman hunter-gatherer to gain weight and acquire as much calories as possible. That's, that's the, our physiology, uh, and it's very hard to counter that. And it's the, it's then a little later in life. That's maybe why the average age is about forty six, as you say, three three times more women than men. It's because the weight has piled on in the decades leading up to the mid forties and what have you that they just yeah. want to shift. Yeah. yeah. What? So I, I know you're busy and going back to surgery. So thank you so much. But what is your advice then to people who want to take that step? It clearly, is don't travel abroad, is it? My advice is take out private insurance. I mean, the cost of surgery abroad and the flights and all the rest would cover insurance for a few years. Now, the insurers have been fantastic. I think that they're often, they're often criticized. When I came first to, to uh, Cork in 2008, none of this surgery was covered. But now all the private insurers cover bariatric surgery for anyone with a BMI of 35 and medical comorbidity. So my advice, if it, and I appreciate it's expensive, but the safest thing to do to ensure the best quality treatment will be to take out private insurance okay. and, and get it done and get it done nationally. Okay, yeah, just very the quality of surgery is actually extremely good in Ireland, Neil, and, and the quality of care is extremely good. The difficulty is access. There aren't enough surgeons and there aren't enough resources, but I believe. The HSE are going to pump a lot of money into this over the next 10 years with a view to be, being able to do between over a thousand cases a year. I understand that, but I understand the challenge that that brings with people who want it now or very oh, quickly yeah. or ASAP, Absolutely. you see, you know. Can I just finally ask you, you know, these weekly injections that apparently are being rolled out on, on prescription. Are you across those, these new weight loss game changing yes. pens that you had self-administer? It's it's very it's very overhyped. They're they're good medications, but they should be utilised in the context of a weight loss program. The problem with things like Ozempic, it's an it's an injection. It's great. It, you lose weight, but you're you're caught with it for life. It's very expensive. Patients will ultimately develop tolerance, so they'll have to keep getting the injection just to keep the weight. The, the weight loss and then if they stop getting the injections they put all the weight back on so I would use them where patients have, have had surgery and they start to regain weight it gives them an extra little little kick to get the weight off again yeah, yeah. but as standalone drugs I think they've been very overhyped uh, they're good but uh, they're very overhyped and I'd be I'd be wary and by the time you've, you've, you've if you go on a Zempic, if a patient goes on a Zempic, by the time they've, they've, they've had it for about two years, they'd have had a surgical, a surgical procedure that would have sorted out the problem. Okay. Listen, thanks for taking the time this morning. Covered a lot of ground. Appreciate your input, uh, Mr. Colin Boyle, well, consultant. And general, appreciate it. Thank you, General uh, Consultant, bariatric surgeon at the Bonds. We got calls, texts and comments. Yours included, hopefully, text 0868 104 106, particularly if you've travelled overseas. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Interesting text there talking about things going wrong. What are you talking about, Neil? And the HSE paying out millions every year for their own mess-ups in theatre. Good point. Well made. Back to the phone lines we go. Pick up the phone. 0818-104-106. Rona Cullinan is up the country in Carlo. She's a celebrity makeup artist and celebrant and travelled overseas to Lithuania, I believe. Rona, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Why did you go to Lithuania? What needed doing? uh, So I originally had my bariatric surgery in Ireland. I had my bariatric surgery two years ago in Dublin. Um, But when I came to my plastics and getting my skin removal done, um, there was absolutely no way I could afford to get it done over here. So um, I had... I chose the option then to go abroad. Okay, so you had the surgery here, bariatric, lost a I considerable did. amount of weight, but then That's needed done, yeah. need, then you had excess skin that you needed uh, tightening up. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yep, um, I had a, I had complications actually after my bariatric surgery here in Ireland, and it just it was one point I heard you making there. Like there is plenty of um, things that can go wrong in Ireland as well as abroad. It's not all necessary. What went wrong with the surgery in Ireland? Um, I developed a stricture. So stricture is basically where the hole, the new hole into my new stomach, um, started. Clo- I, I developed ulcers, um, and they started closing up the hole around my stomach. And this was about a year and a half after my surgery. So it was a, like a lot of strictures happen kind of shortly after surgery where a stitch might get caught and it closes up the hole. So mine actually happened quite later on. Um, so I've been getting dilations, which is basically I go in for a scope and they push it like a, a balloon. They don't quote me on the, the actual technology, of it, but they push it like a balloon type of thing down to open up my stomach. They blow it up and try and open up the hole into my stomach. So it actually got to the stage where I couldn't eat for three days or drink water. Nothing was going down. Um, but at least you had the post-operative care for all of that, didn't you? Here in Ireland, um, going back did, to who did the work. I did, but um, I did end up in A and E a lot of the times because um, it just took a, you know it's, it's a slow process and it took time um, and it was it was a battle to get seen some of the times I was sent home from A and E after three days with no. I couldn't, I couldn't even take a sip of water and they sent me home without even a drip or anything. So, I mean, it's not all... I mean, there's good and bad here as well. My care has been great with the hospital I'm in, um, but it's, it's the, the actual process of getting into the hospital sometimes is, is very difficult. So you would have paid significantly more for that to be done here than overseas. Yes. Why? Oh, Why didn't you choose Turkey? Um, well, for one, I did have an insurance policy. I don't have, like, the boot or VHI. I had a, a, a really strange insurance policy that happened to cover stomach surgery. And I was actually on the waiting list here for four years, um, waiting for my surgery. Um, and then I realised that this policy actually would cover it. So I was like, OK, great, I'm, I'm, I can get it done here. And I was moved straight up the list then, and I got the surgery done within a couple of months. Other than that, I was waiting for another three years, and I would have been probably dead by that stage, by the time the surgery Why came Why do around. you say so, that? Um, I was on the verge of having a heart attack. I was pre-diabetic. I had fatty liver. I couldn't breathe properly. I was struggling with depression. Um, and I just don't think... I, I mean, I've battled with my weight all of my life. Um, so I, I, I had to do something quite urgent. You know, I have young kids with special needs, so um, I had to be alive for them. It was, it was a case of I had to do something drastic and urgent um, to do this. Um, so I made the decision then to have the bypass. So I was just very lucky that my insurance policy did cover me. Mm. If not, I would definitely have gone abroad 100%. Mm. I no, no issues in Lithuania. I believe you picked Lithuania so that it would be within the EU for that reason. Yeah. Is, that, is that why? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the reason I picked um, Lithuania as well is I, I there's actually, and this is a, what's been needed all along in Ireland, there's a new company set up called Cloudsmetic and I came across them and what they do is actually, they are an Irish-based company, it's a new company, and they actually provide the backup service that's been missing all along. 
along. Um, so what they do is they helped me the whole way through the process. Um, they helped me to apply for the cross-border director, which means I'll get my money back for my surgery. Um, eventually, it takes a bit of time. Um, so that so means that people could go to Spain then as part of a cross-border, yeah, couldn't they? Yeah, there's different, yeah, there's different, anywhere um, that does, with, in the EU, there's a cross-border director. I know there's a certain protocols and certain, like you have to have certain BMIs and certain things like that, but they guide you through all of that and help you with all the paperwork, which is a nightmare. Um, they also then, I they're, so they're not promoting any one sur- um, surgeon or any one clinic or any one hospital. They find you the best surgeon for you. So again, based on your BMI, based on that, they, so I actually had two or three uh, consultations. Um, I found the surgeon that I felt was right for me. I chose my surgeon. Um, and then I... When I went over, I had everything done for me. I had all my transfers done. I felt very safe the whole way. I had somebody on the phone to me every day helping me through everything. Because And I yeah. had a backup service since I came home as yeah, well. Yeah, because so there's a story of a girl that I'm going to read a little later on this morning. She did all of that to go to Turkey, met the surgeon in Dublin, was very comfortable with the surgeon in Dublin, and that was the reason she went to Turkey. And she's going into the operating theatre, and it's a different surgeon. Like, oh God! Yeah. Oh my God! No, I mean, I was very much, very, very clear, and very um, everything was laid out very clear for me. Um, and I met my surgeon when I got over to Lithuania. I had consultations online with her before the surgery, like from from here. And then when I got over there, I met her the day before the surgery. We had a full consultation for nearly an hour, um, and then met her again the next morning. And obviously, it was her who did the surgery yeah. then as well. And I also, she emails me literally every couple of days, checking in on me. Still, this I'm six weeks post op. Um, but I also have with the cosmetic I have a nurse here 24 hours a day so I've been able to ring her because I did actually have a small complication in my own fault when I got home um, I didn't rest as much as I should um, I said at young kids especially you don't understand that mommy needs rest um, <laughs> so I actually did open my wound a little bit um, but I've been receiving care over here since I got home I've had a nurse who brings me every morning um, checks in on me I have they also do like um, as well if you're getting run down they provide IV drips that you can, you know, you, you can get a blood test done to see what you're lacking in nutri- nutritionally and they'll actually um, give you an IV drip that will boost your immune system to help you recover better. Um, but what they are doing at the moment, and this is one point I just wanted to make in particular, I heard um, the doctor talking there as well, the, psychiat- the psychology of having the surgery is way bigger than the, the actual physical. Why? Um, my journey has been completely, I did, I did um, counselling before I went away and I I've done, I'm still accounting now. I'm actually I'm going to an appointment now in about half an hour, um, because I think if you don't like with food addiction or emotional eating, if you don't deal with the problems that are causing those issues, when you have surgery, yes, you lose the weight, and yes, it's great, and it happens very fast. You lose the weight, like within a year, I lost 12 stone. It was a huge transformation. But mentally, if you don't deal with those addictions and those problems, you can transfer addiction. It's a huge problem um, with bariatric patients where you can transfer to alcohol addiction because you can still drink no problem um, you can still eat lots of crap you can still eat sweets you can still eat all those um, bad foods for you um, in fact I watch my what I eat now more than I ever did before surgery and I don't think that's issue, let's reiterate it enough so it's about changing your habits about changing everything um, and with this company as well the Bariatrics Fast is a new program that they're launching which is actually for people who are considering surgery or who've had surgery or, or like that a year later are struggling with food because they're trying to get back to, they've lost all the weight but now they have to get into healthy eating habits um, because you still have to watch what protein you put in you may not be watching yeah, yeah. as much of the calories but you still have to actually watch what you're eating as much because you can put the weight back on yeah that's a very interesting um, voice another girl are you free after 10 I'd just like to finish this conversation properly yeah. just the other side of 10
10. I want to talk to you again at that stage, Ron. I'll talk to you after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. So, Rona, I uh, just wanted to finish the conversation with you. You had the uh, bariatric surgery here, then went to Lithuania to have the uh, skin surgery. Um, yeah. Had you tried everything? Because you, you know, Every you, possible thing. Yeah. There's nobody who's overweight who hasn't tried everything. I could lose weight, no problem. Absolutely no problem. I could not maintain it. I could not keep it up. The minute I came off a diet, um, that was it. It was, it was back to square one, put it back on and more, and I yo-yoed all my life. Um, so diet, you tried diet, you tried exercise, did you try diet plans, did you try like uh, Weight Watchers, Slimming World, you know? I had, I had shares nearly in Slimming World at that stage. Um, I tried the micro diet, I tried Atkins, I tried, um, every, you, you name it, I tried it, the cabbage diet, um, everything, absolutely everything. I think, I think the, the lot of the problem with, with being a brand, I can kind of see it easier from this side of the journey, if you know what I mean. It's sometimes it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you and I think that's a really, really important thing that people understand because I, certainly for me, I've had a great childhood, I've had a very happy family, I've had, I, I lost my father very young and I put everything down to, oh, my dad died young so it must be down to that. It turned out to be absolutely none of that. It was something very small that triggered me when I was very young that has been triggering stuff all my life um, and like now that I have been on the other side of, of over a year's uh, therapy, I can see easy where my habits were and I don't have those those wants for comfort eating because like you still have, after bariatric surgery, you still have those wants for comfort eating. You just can't physically eat it. And that's why I said it's very easy to change to a different addiction. Um, it's very easy. And that's why a lot of people get depressed after mm. surgery. And it's it's really about changing your lifetime habits um, and dealing with stuff and deciding to take control of your life. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's where... Pre and post care is really important. Okay. Um, yeah. You didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't mention what triggered you, and I won't ask because clearly, if you were comfortable, you would tell me. But I have spoken with others who have said it could have been a remark that was made. People might have put on a little bit of weight when they were young or a teenager, I, and I people said something, the, and you know, one of the one of the tri- and anybody who's who's big will understand this comment is um, one is like you're a fine big girl, or secondly was you have a lovely face. That was the one that killed me the most. Oh, you you have such a pretty face, and I'm like, well, what about the rest of me? Um, know, you know, know, and I'm six foot tall, so I stood out in the crowd of being tall and big as well. But I was very confident. Don't get me wrong. Outwardly, I was very, very confident. Inwardly, disaster. But um, I carried it off. And as a makeup artist, I was on live TV. I was on in front of hundreds of people doing demonstrations. No bother. And I dressed well for my size. And you know, but deep down inside, I was I wasn't happy. You know, okay. and yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know, going from twenty four stone to twelve, that's half your body weight. That's an incredible mm-hmm. weight loss. Is there any downside to that? Like adjusting to that. Shopping, <laughs> shopping addiction would be one of my things now. Um, downsides to it, yeah. I mean, the skin. When I had the skin uh, before the skin removal, yes. I mean, the skin is a thing. There's also hair loss is a major thing after surgery. Um, I lost a lot of hair. Um, I wear t- a hair topper now a lot of the time because my hair is very thin on top. Again, it's down to maintaining your protein, maintaining your your vitamins, and all that kind of thing. Um, then, I mean, the loose skin definitely bothered me. Um, not as much as I thought it did, but since I've had the skin removed, I've had a, over a stone of skin removed. 
for my stomach alone. Wow. Um, yeah, which, which was shocking. Yeah. Um, I'm a totally new person, completely again. Um, my Do people look at you really differently weird. now or treat you differently? Yes, you're treated differently as a, as a sim- simmer person. I still find it hard to say skinny person or slim person. I still struggle saying that about myself because um, it's hard to identify yourself after 48 years of being overweight and being called big. It's very hard to say I'm now slim and skinny. Mm. Um, and again, that's a lot. You have to work on that mental side of things. Um, but um, yeah, it, it is weird. I do get treated differently. People, I feel like I get treated like a normal person, if that makes sense. You don't realise how much um, being overweight bothers you until you actually lose all the weight. Because when you walk in, like if I was walking into a house to do the makeup for them in the morning of a wedding, I'd be looking around at the chairs to see which one I could sit on. Oh. And my worst fear was an antique chair. And oh. it happens to me where I crush the chair and like, oh. like I'm worth vacation. But even going to, um, you know, somebody's house, a barbecue out the back, you'd be looking at these little benches going, oh my God. And you'd be standing for the three hours because you know you couldn't sit down on That's the That's sad, isn't it? It's really sad. And it actually, you don't even realise you have all these things going on in your head until you don't have to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. And then I, I realised how much I was actually conscious of what I was wearing, pulling down my top all the time, um, you know, and like leaning over so it looks slimmer, um, not taking pictures, full-length pictures. I, I found it really hard to find before pictures full-length because I didn't take any. I was what, about standing in, what about standing in pictures or in, you know, selfies and group photographs? Yeah. No, no, your selfies, like all my photographs and videos before surgery um, were more or less kind of my chest upwards, like they were, they're just head, sh- head and shoulders. Yeah. Um, very few full-length photos, or if not, I was stuck behind a kid or I was hiding in behind somebody. So you had to plan them very much or maybe even avoid, oh, God, yeah. did you avoid standing avoid in? Avoid them, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And of course, there was some then people post up of you in the background, you're going, oh my God, and you'd see the picture of yourself from the side. You know, um, and it, it, you, I got very much in denial of my size as well because it's only now looking back at the pictures I was going, oh my God, I didn't even realise how big I'd got and how unhealthy I looked and how unhealthy I was. Amazing. Even listening to videos of me doing makeup videos, I was sitting down talking and I was out of breath completely. Um, it was actually scary looking back on some of it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when people talk to you, do they talk to you differently? Are you treated differently? Are the, yes, is the I conversations say- different? Are pe- do people approach you more now? Are they more comfortable Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, I definitely feel respected more for some reason. Um, I feel my opinion matters more. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like people value you more. Um, really? Yeah, and whether that's my perception of well, it. Well, I'm just, or the question I'm asking is do people judge people on first impressions and looks? Yes, I would 100% say yes. And they make a judgment call in those first few seconds, and sometimes it can be a negative one because of size. Yes, absolutely. You know, whether, again, that some of that is probably my perception of what they think, you know. I, I said to my kids um, after I'd lost the weight, I said, like, what do you think of, of my, my 18-year-old Asperger? And he's very direct, so I was a bit afraid of asking him. But he said to me, um, I said, like, what do you think of mum, you know, in her new, your new body and I'm not fat anymore? He goes, mum, you're just my mum. I always just <laughs> as my mum. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so sometimes it's your perception, and this is where... You, you can think that other people are judging you as well and again that's down to because you don't feel worthy and you don't feel respected and you don't feel and it's not necessarily other people's fault it can be your own yeah, fault I know, I know, it that I know, way I know. Yeah. listen I'm delighted to talk to you and thank you for being so open and honest it's been great chat I didn't even touch on what you do as the celebrity yeah. makeup artist you touched on it there in front of cameras doing all this kind of stuff and you've worked with the best of them haven't you yeah, I've worked with a lot of celebrities over the years and, um, well, as I say, a face is a face to me. Um, my, my brides and my, my clients are as important as celebrities to me, so um, it's about making somebody feel good from the inside out. So yeah, well said, kind of well said. Well, continued success in what you do. Thanks for taking the call, Ron, and look after yourself.
Thank you so much. All Bye the then. best. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Surgery overseas obviously isn't, isn't just um, restricted to gastric banding or sleeves. Uh, you also kind of have all different parts of body part aug- augmentation, including breast augmentation, tummy tucks after surgery or what have you. The case may also can be dental. There was the story of um, uh, the Cork girl, Regina, Oman- Regina Mahoney, who got a botch job, a price cut treatment overseas, uh, can't smile anymore because she has no confidence left because she uh, doesn't want anybody to see what's behind her smile. She got a set of veneers in Hungary four years ago and she said, my, gr- my gums grew over my teeth and I was told by my dentist that it just simply was bad work. She says, I've been left with smelly breath. I have to go back to the dentist every two to three months to get them cleaned just to keep up with the hygiene. Uh, she says that you can't put a price on your smile um, because it's priceless, but she has no confidence now. It cost her three grand at the time, uh, but it was an absolute botch job in Hungary, she says. Uh, that might sound familiar to Noreen, actually. Noreen, good morning. Oh, my apologies. Let me just change your phone lines here. Maureen, or Noreen, can you hear me all right? Yes, I can, Neil, yes. You, you were promised the Hollywood smile in Kusadasi, Turkey. Did it work out that way? Well, yes, it did. But uh, I thought my story was different because it's going back such a long time ago. But it's just kind of like it was like 14 or 15 years ago. And it didn't. But it wasn't that I went looking for it. It kind of came looking for me because um, we, we, we had bought a holiday home over in Kusadasi. And it, like when I was around the pool one day, everybody was had those like, you know, the Colgate ad where everybody had like ching ching smiles. Yes. And uh, they were all, yeah, yeah, they were like gorgeous teeth. So I said, uh, yeah, they were all going into town. And I said, where are you going? And I said, oh, we're going into the dentist. And I said, oh, can I go along with you? So I was going along for the fun. And they just kind of put a camera into my mouth and they said, you need this, 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 this. And I got sucked into it and I got eight teeth done that year. I got my eight top teeth and I didn't have a problem. What was done was though? All... When you say done, does that involve... Oh, now, yeah. <laughs> I hear about veneers and I hear about crowns and there's a big difference with veneers and crowns. So crowns is basically where they pare down your teeth like little shark teeth and uh, they, they fit a crown over those pared down teeth. So you still have your normal teeth underneath, but they're pared down. And they put the fake and teeth, fake tooth over. Yes, it. Yeah. the crown, yeah. crown. But it, but the dentist that I went to didn't put them in individually like they do here in Ireland. It, they were in twos and threes. They were like little bridges. Do you know what I mean? So if you had a problem, which I did years later, it wasn't just one tooth that was. Fake. It could be it three on the one three. bridge. Depe- yeah. Depending, yeah. 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 So uh, so I did go back the next year, and I did get. Uh, 10 on my bottom and two bridges because I'd had root canal in Ireland before that had failed. So these bridges were just covering over the gaps that I had there originally. But they were the ones that caused me the problems then afterwards. But were so, you, you know, when you had it all done in the two different sessions, did you have that, uh-huh. did you have that Hollywood smile, like perfectly oh, yeah. even white teeth? Oh, yeah. Now, I have a little bit of an overbite, but like, I mean, so many people like in the, in, in the shops would say, can I ask, did you get your teeth done? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. And, and it wasn't that my teeth were really bad. I did have a filling in one of my front teeth. I had a, and I didn't smile very often uh, and I didn't like smiling. Okay. So yeah. all of a yeah. sudden I was smiling and I was like. And how much did all of mind. that, how much did all of that um, crown work cost? 
Well, if, uh, if the first time I got the eight done, it, well, well, the both times, they wanted to charge me more the second time. They said, no, I only paid 100, 120 euro per tooth is right. what I paid. Okay, okay. So, so would that have been so, changed out of maybe two grand, is it? Yeah, probably about that. Okay, yeah. and so how did it go wrong then? Okay, so what happened was on the second lot, when um, when they did the paring down and whatever, um, I when I came back, no, I had pain all the time, and I came pain. back to Ireland, a really bad pain, and I went to my local dentist, and they said, nope, we're not even going to see you because you got your teeth done abroad. I was devastated. Now, what they did do was they gave me an antibiotic because I was holding my jaw. I was crying in pain for four whole weeks. I didn't know when this was going to end. I thought it was going to go on forever. I was ringing the surgery and saying, what is going on? What's wrong with my teeth? I didn't have What were they saying to you back in Turkey about about the pain? They said that 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 was an infection. Just get antibiotics. What about painkillers, no? No. Painkillers I was eating as well. But what happened in the end, because like about eight years ago, I went to the dentist and I had to keep going. Actually, I I was chewing a toffee, which which I shouldn't have been doing. And two of my teeth kind of came down and I I, I went to my local dentist. Uh, It wasn't the dentist I'd gone to before crying because I said, they're not going to treat me because the other dentist had said, no, we're not going to treat you. But they were very nice. They stuck them back up and everything was fine. They glued them so back in. A dentist one t- once them. told me that they love toffees and they love milky mints. Milky I mints. Know, I know. I know. You know They'd rip anything out of your head. <laughs> yeah, the word. So that dentist then said, look, you know, you need to come to the hygienist every time, you know, maybe twice a year. You need to keep all those gaps all clean. You need to keep them whatever because you will, you'll get infections and whatever. So then I got a little bump uh, down around my gum and a little blister. And I went to them and they said, look, I, we have to do an extra here. We think there's a problem here. Yeah. And they said, look, we're going to have to refer you to an endodontist. Was that like root canal, is it? Canal. Oh, my God. Root canal. She said, it's more than one. It could be more than two. Whatever. It's, oh, God. So anyway, off I went. Was all of this as a consequence of the work in Turkey? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So seven root so canals later... I- Oh, no, no, no. Well, you see, this is how I found out, Neil, what had happened to me. Because when I went to the endodontist, the endodontist did all the, the, the x-rays and everything. And he said, look, I'm thinking out of all your, 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 your teeth, your 18 teeth, you are, you're going to have to have root canal and all of those. Eventually, I was, oh, I could see dollar signs. I was going, oh, my God, what's this going to cost me? And he said, you know, the bottom teeth, the pain that I had for the month was the nerves dying. The dentist in Turkey had pared my teeth down so far. She had damaged the nerves, my teeth, and they were dying. And that was why I was feeling extreme pain for wow. four weeks. Wow. And that's what happened. So he then root and it's very difficult, over crown. So he has to drill through a crown. Drill through your real tooth, go down, do your root canal. And it was very expensive, but um, he told me, he said, "Um, I'm going to use your x-rays in the dental hospital to show dentists what happens when teeth go wrong, when you get them done abroad. Isn't that amazing? And I said, 
Yeah, and I said, surely now if I'm getting all of this dental work done, I might get an old discount, you know. If you're using it and for um, research purposes. Yeah, yeah, well, he, so like for literally opening my mouth, as I said, pardon the pun, he, he um, gave me 100 euro off each tooth. So like, I mean, I got 900 euro off the nine root canal that I got. So, like, so, so, the, so the 2,000 that you had spent initially for the boss oh, yeah. job that led yeah. to all of the grief <laughs> ended up costing you an additional four grand to put it right absolutely you know and it was uh, yeah but thankfully well since then I had a problem where that bridge went over my original failed root canals Uh, it was lifting and like things like sesame seeds or different things like that were catching in on it and caused infections so what he had to do was he had to saw through the, the, the bridge and it was in t- two, so he had to remove the two that was underneath the, the bridge and and remove the, the bridge off the, the gap. So to and say you regretted it was an understatement. Oh, well, you stop. And I don't know what's down the line now. I have to be very careful all the time because now, you know, this, some of my top teeth now are kind of coming away from the gum, if you know what I mean. So I have to constantly make sure that that's clean so that nothing gets stuck in it. Now, like, I mean, look at me, you wouldn't think I'd gone through all of that. You know, I'd still, depending on what way I smile, that people don't look at the the gaps in the back of my teeth. But you see, I wonder what you're worried. I mean, that was some years ago, and I'm wondering, has it improved? I mean, we know of three people who have died this year after complications, last year after complications of, some of it was bariatric, but one, one, one misfortunate man died after um, a guy called Tony Rogers went to Istanbul for um, for work on dental treatment, he died there. I wonder if it got any better. Yeah, I wonder if it got any better. It probably now. has, but I-, I tell you what: at that time, a lot of Irish people had bought houses over in Turkey, and this dentist kind of got like the nod from all the Irish people that were going to her, and she was working morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night. And by the time that I got back for the second lot, she was working, I'd say, 24-7. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of people from Kerry, a lot of people from Ireland were flying over then at that time. And for me personally, I think at that time, I think she just screwed up because she was just working. Overworked, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over, overworked, you know. Okay, thanks for sharing your story, Noreen. Much Ah, obliged to you. No problem. Take care. All the best. Take care. Father of three from County Lather was referring to passed away after flying to Turkey for dental treatment. Tony Rogers travelled to Istanbul for an emergency procedure, but understood to have taken ill afterwards, died suddenly. Um, They were saying in the same article that was reading regarding his passing, misfortunate man, that medical tourism agencies are reporting increases in Irish business of between 150 to 220% in the last year following the lifting of COVID restrictions. Now, I know you may well be saying you're honing in on when it goes wrong, but a lot of the time it doesn't go wrong and it's absolutely fine. I get that, I do, but I'm wondering, is, is does that just make it a bit of a lottery? Um, anyway, if you get the right surgeon and you get the right treatment and everything goes fantastically well and you save a ball of money, well, that's just fantastic. I really think it is. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Say uh, that uh, it's the high cost, all right?
website because it can cost substantially more in Ireland. So the high cost is one of the attractions of going overseas. Waiting lists of, of up to five years here at home uh, to get work done or indeed actually a lack of surgeons to do it or even a, a lack of availability of certain procedures. Not all of the procedures that people want done are done in Ireland, they're saying. But it can be, I think if you're looking at it, high costs and waiting up to five years. There's some of the reasons why people do decide to go overseas. Um, oh, listen, I just mentioned that Anglesey Street Gardaí have been in touch. A vehicle is overturned on the road between Lep and Skibbereen. Now, local Gardaí have closed the main N71 road between Lep and Skib because of it. I hope everybody's okay. I'm quite sure there's emergency vehicles at the scene and those involved in it are being treated, but just be aware of that, that that road's closed between Lep and Skib right now because of a vehicle overturning. But back to the topic we've been talking about this morning and Leanne joins me by phone. Leanne, good morning. Uh, I actually, can I also say thank you to uh, Lunchtime Live from News Talk for providing me with Leanne's details. Leanne, thanks for taking the call. Can you hear me all right? I can, of course, yes. You um, had uh, put on weight so much so that you wanted to get a, a gastric sleeve. But obviously, you would be attracted by the price overseas, I suppose, was it? Yes. Yes, it was much, much cheaper to get it done overseas than here in Ireland. And had you, and I was just chatting with other callers earlier, had you tried everything before that to lose weight? Yes, I went to Slimming World. I tried um, the Atkins diet. I went walking every day and nothing was just working for me. I used to walk three or four miles a day and still nothing worked. And was no weight dropping at all in spite of all of the efforts you were making? It was, but it was very slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very slow. So I was very disheartened by the amount of work I was doing with the little weight I was losing. And had and so therefore you started to investigate some surgical intervention. Had you priced it in Ireland? Yes, it was over ten thousand to get it done. I think it was about twelve thousand to so, get it done in Ireland. So twelve thousand for a sleeve. Yes. Okay. And the Turkish prices then? I there were four of us went over, so we got a like a package for the four of us and I paid two thousand four hundred. 2,400 as against yeah. 10 grand. And that included, did that include flights and hotel and transfers and everything? No, just um, it included your, we didn't stay in a hotel, we stayed in the hospital for the week. And um, our transfer was, was included in it, but our flights were separate. Okay. And there were only 350 returns. Okay, so everybody's story is different. Uh, you stayed in the hotel for the week. And you had the surgery. Uh, had you met the surgeons previously? How did you pick the, the, the hospital or the clinic? A, a few friends of mine had went over previous to me and had got it done over there and they recommended that they got the best care. So oh, none yeah. of those people would have been paid by the clinic to recommend them to you, no? No. Okay. No. Yeah. Because that's actually happening as well, where people are being paid money to recommend it to others, but that wasn't in your case. No. And was everything straightforward with regards to the surgery? Well, when they um when you contact them they said that you'd have an interpreter there and everything like that. And when we arrived to the hospital, there was no interpreter. We sort of had to find these forms in Turkish, we didn't know what they were, what was on them. And we just done it because we were in the middle of Turkey. We had nowhere else to go. So we just had to sign the forms and just hope for the best. See, I find that alarming now that they know that they're dealing with clients from out of the country and they know that you're coming from an English-speaking country. You are paying them for a service and yet they make you sign very important paperwork that you can't understand. That's it, yes. Okay. So, bit of an alarm bell going on off there. What, what else? 
And um, when we got up into the room, um, they, I had to use Google Translate to speak to the nurses. Wow. Yeah. So I was going, like, it's very frightening experience, especially when they're not an English speaking. But that's what I did. I used the Google Translate, so we were able to speak to them through that. But um, the doctor had English, and they, um, there was also another girl there. She was very good at speaking English. So, But that was, wasn't until the following day that we met her. So you had the surgery then, right? Yes. And you woke up from the anaesthetic after it? Yes. Okay. And what happened next? I started vomiting blood. So when I called the nurses, they had told me that was um, that, that's normal because some blood could obviously be in your stomach because they were to cut it. So but I, how are you communicating that now? Through Google, is it? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And then um, when the doctor came around, I was still vomiting blood for up to two days. And he said, that, that's fine. That's okay. But um, I just obviously I was in pain. The only painkiller they'd give you is paracetamol. So um, there was nobody told you pre-surgery or in whatever consultations you might have had that there is a chance that you will vomit blood for a couple of days. I mean, is that like substantial no. amounts of blood? It was and it wasn't. You see, I had bile as well, so I was vomiting bile. Excuse me, okay, I know. Uh, yeah, I understand that it's graphic. Yeah. So he says that can yeah. be normal, you know, because. You know, your stomach was caught, I suppose. So, um, you stayed in the ho- in the hospital then for the week, is it? Yeah, we stayed. Uh, we arrived there Sunday night, and we left at three a.m. Saturday morning. And you came home, and the recommendation, of course, isn't to fly for a month, but people do fly much sooner. So, home you came, and how were you afterwards when you arrived home? I was feeling okay when I came home. Tired, but I was feeling okay. But I, <clears throat> excuse me, and I thought I was felt very weak as well. But I just thought that was normal because of having surgery, and um, you know, you don't get much sleep in the hospital, and so um, I just put it down to that. But on the Tuesday morning, I woke up and I felt, I just, I felt okay in the Tuesday morning. But as the day went on, I got felt very dizzy, and I went to go to the toilet, and I woke up on my bed after standing up, and. I just didn't feel right to ring my sister to call to me. You had and, collapsed, um, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so your I sister arrives with her partner and they no, see you. My partner was out the back in the shed. And um, so I couldn't call him because his phone was in the house. So because he was coming up and down to me to check, check on me like what he was out in the shed when I collapsed. So um, when I woke up, then I rang the phone. Well, obviously was in the house, but I rang my sister then to come over to me. And then when she came over, um, I thought I was dehydrated. So I asked her to bring me up water and I realized that was in the press. And um, when she got to the top of the stairs, she started screaming, saying that I need to get an ambulance first. She went down, got my partner. He came up and said, no, she needs an ambulance now. Ambulance brings you, rushes you to hospital. Doctors yeah. look at you, surgeons probably. What, what, what was wrong? And they brought me straight into resus because my blood pressure was dropping. My heart rate was going fast. I believe my blood pressure dropped to 48 over 27 and my heart rate was 130. So they'd done a CT scan straight away on me and found that my 
spleen was bleeding. Sides internally bleeding. And I lost most of my blood, basically. True. So it was all, con- it was all started to congeal in my stomach. Outer, around my organs. Not in my organs, if you get me. So... You're not conscious for much of this, are you? You're out of it. Oh, I'm. I was conscious, but I was in and out. Did you get me? Yeah, because then they they ring your partner and tell him. Yeah, they ring my partner. You got to get in here. Why is they? Yeah. Why is they? Why are they saying that? Because I was dying. Um, they had said that I was um sepsis and I was going into septic shock, and um that my spleen had been cut. And that um, rang my partner to come out basically to say goodbye to me because they didn't know whether I was going to make it or not. And they'd, um, they told him that um, he had to wait in the hospital because if I died, he had to identify me. And all of that was said to your partner. You're se- she's in septic shock. Uh, you need to come in. You probably need to come in to say goodbye. It's touch and go. We don't know whether she'll make it or not. We're praying that she does, but only time will tell. Mother of God. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a very scary experience for both him and myself and my sister and my family because they were, he had to make the phone call to my family to tell them about me. Do you you recall them being there coming in to say goodbye? Yeah. And tell me about that. What was that like? It was um, very, very upsetting for both him and I because I would never see him again. He's, he's probably saying goodbye to me knowing that the next time he'd see me, he'd probably be in a coffin. So it was, it was scary, very, very scary because I have three kids and I was leaving them without a mom as well. But so did but your conversation with him did that was it was it around saying goodbye? Yeah. You you actually spoke like that. I love yeah. you. I may not make through this. I love you. Thank you so for my my beautiful children. Yeah. I may not survive. Really? Yeah. It was literally saying goodbye. How are you feeling? You must have been very frightened. As hell because they brought the anesthetist down to me in Teresa. And I have to say, he was absolutely magnificent. The staff there were absolutely magnificent in UHL Limerick. Um, he had to stay with me from recess up to the operating theatre because obviously they had to get blood into me straight away. So I believe I received 11 points of blood because each time they're putting blood into me, obviously it was coming out until they fixed my spleen. They remove my spleen, yeah. And were your children there as well at the bedside saying goodbye? No, no. It was just my partner. My God. Yeah, it was very, very scary. It was actually sad because, like, I'd done this to myself. Uh, Well, you didn't. You didn't. Well, no, they'd done it to me, like, but I was the one that made the decision to go over and get this Yes, but you put put your your life and your care in their hands. Um, Yeah. You know, like... Uh, but I suppose you're on you're on the hospital bed, and you you know that this could be it. How yeah. frightening must that be? My God, I mean, it's just dreadful. It was actually so scary, and I just thank God when I woke up. I was in ICU, but when I woke up, I just I couldn't believe us that I was still there. The relief 
The joy, yeah. maybe, yeah? The emotion. Yeah. yeah. But I have to say, the doctor was very quick to diagnose what was wrong with me as well. They were um, absolutely amazing. But to go through this, I'm on antibiotics now for the rest of my life because I have no spleen, which is your immune system against bacteria. So what did your doctors tell you happened in Turkey? Um, you're, you're saying that they, they cut your spleen while doing the surgery for the sleeve, is it? Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't tell, obviously, like you, when you're over in Turkey, you get this um, drink. It's like a dive thing that you drink to go through your system to get an x-ray done to see, have you any bleeding? And they told me I didn't. Are you angry about that? Yes, I'm more angry and upset because, like, I'll, they're meant to be these professionals and it's like they didn't care about me. They just wanted my money. That's what I feel now. They just wanted my money. And, and the they didn't care what way I was, how I felt. I contacted the doctor that done my surgery. Yeah. And he told me it was because of blood thinners. You have to inject yourself with blood thinners twice a day. And he told me that um, it was because of the blood thinners in my spleen bled. Sure, there's thousands, millions of people on blood thinners and that never happened to them. That would just annoy you even more to hear that kind yeah. of an excuse when your medical doctors and surgeons in Ireland told you exactly what happened. Are you vulnerable yeah. now for the rest of your life medically? Yeah. Yeah. I have to, um, every five years, I have to get the um, meningitis jab, the menococcal, I have to get the pneumonia, and every year I have to get the flu vaccines, and I have to keep up my COVID vaccines as well. Yeah, I know. I mean, you, you, you went out there in the best will in the world, and many people do, and they have very successful treatment, and they're happy for the rest of their lives with it. You're just one of the, you're one of the unlucky ones. I mean, lucky to be alive, but still very unlucky as a consequence of what they did. Do you, you, yes. you, you know, if you had your time over again, you certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it. Never. No, people think it's, um, it's easy. It's an easy way out. It's the worst experience of my life. It's so hard because, like, even I'm done now, be a year and a half now. A year and a half, yeah. And I'm still very restricted to what I can eat. Yeah. And how much I can eat. Like, you're sitting, your head hunger um, is the worst worst thing ever. Your head is telling you you were so hungry that you'd love, you sit down to a big dinner and you take two or three spoonfuls and you're full, you can't eat no more. But your head is still telling you your body's hungry. Oh my God, that must be torture. It definitely is, 100%. Yeah. Especially, you know, you're longing for something and just say, oh, geez, I love these garlic chip cheese. Don't point getting them because I don't need about three or four chips and I'm stuffed. So the hunger pangs remain in spite of the fact yeah. that you have a tiny stomach and you're full. Yeah. You see, they're the things that people perhaps don't know in advance, you know? No, no. Definitely don't. But and just, you can't drink and eat at the same time either. Yeah. You have to, um, you can't drink a half an hour before you eat or a half an hour after you've eaten. And what would your advice be to people who want to do something like this? And a lot of it is driven by waiting lists here in Ireland, but cost being the main factor. What would you say to them? I'd say to them, please do not go to Turkey because you mightn't come back alive. Um, it, it, it's well worth the money to get it done here in Ireland because 10,000 that I saved in Turkey 
But by going to Turkey would have been the cost of my funeral. I know, I know. It's not the worst, so, in the sense, it's not worth the risk. No, 100% not worth the risk because if I got it done here in Ireland, I would have, they would have spotted it if they caught my spleen. But you see, you couldn't because you wouldn't have been able to afford to get it done in Ireland. Well, yes, I know. But I'd save, I'd wait and save up. I know. I would. No, I'd listen. Yeah, wait. no. You know, having gone through what you what you've gone through, your words of advice should be listened to. That there is a gamble. You know, without a doubt, there oh, is. Oh, one million percent. Like, and you're in a country that they're, um, as far as I know, they're Muslims, so they don't believe in blood transfusions or anything like that. Mm. Mm. So, like, you're really taking your life when you're going abroad. I didn't know any of this. I thought I had my homework done. Obviously, I didn't. Okay. All right. I didn't, like I spoke to people about it. You're talking to this um, organizer and everything for your operation. You can text her. You give your age, your weight, your height. Before you go, you ask loads of questions. She does get back to you. And you think, gee, this is a great service. But it's when you get there. Like, we don't need an interpreter at night time. So that's no good. You need one during the day when the doctor's around. You know, Did, yeah. You're, so your, your surgeon correcting it and trying to save your life in Limerick told you that your spleen had been cut. Yes. So that's enough said. Enough said. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. 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 All right. Listen, uh, it's good to talk to you considering that uh, there was a chance you wouldn't, a very strong chance you wouldn't have made it. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me and I just hope people would just listen and just say I'm not going there because if, if I could save one life I'd be happy. Okay. Okay, well said. Thanks, no. Lamele- Thank you, Leanne. Thank you for taking the call. Thank you for having me. Thank All right, you. just a quick call, lovely lady. Just a quick call this side of um, of 11, if you don't mind. Jade Cooney. Jade, good morning. Hi. How much of that did you hear, my chat with Leanne? Because you're another person who went to Turkey. Yeah, I listened to half of it there. It's just surreal with the way she was saying, like, with the blood transfusions, I had to have some um, and stuff like that. And how fast she's saying the people text you back when you're going over. I, since I went, I didn't have heard from them since, yeah. even with all my problems. The, I had a note in Edinburgh that had to follow up with me. And like, what are you going to do from Edinburgh? She was like, oh, can I just see your wound? That looks normal. And How do you do I that? Had, Is it with the screen of your phone or something? Yeah, your FaceTimer. She's sitting in an office, your FaceTimer. And then you're like, she says, oh, that looks okay. It wasn't I had a banana that night with that with some cellulite. So you had gone for liposuction, a tummy tuck and a breast lift, wasn't it? Yes. And the consequences of that surgery in Turkey, your words, not mine, ruined your life. Yeah, ruined my life. I end up with five open holes in my stomach and sepsis and cellulitis. Sepsis. Now that's a killer, sepsis, if it's not caught. Yeah. 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 What happened when you came home? Was it that you just fell apart, collapsed? Um, I was so weak and my mum had a friend, well, a that was a nurse and said, get her down to, I went to the job and then I had to go to the emergency room with a letter to say I'd set it because he had a look at me and said, you have to go set and we had this right away. I was talking about you earlier on before you came on the air because you had, um, you would, in the earlier days, you had had a chat with the surgeon who was supposed to do, you met the surgeon from Turkey in Dublin and you were, you were comfortable and everything with the surgeon. Right. I was, and then the day I got over there, they changed the surgeon on me to a person that doesn't speak English. And you weren't even told of the change. How did you know the surgeon was changed? 
I was in the lift going up to my, my room the first night and I noticed the different names of the doctor on my wrist. So they weren't even letting me know they changed my doctor. They just, I know it's on my wristband. Okay, yeah. So you had made the decision in Dublin meeting the Turkish surgeon because you were comfortable with the surgeon who was going to be doing the work? Yeah, I've seen these workers like, right, I'll go with him and then it's only as soon as I got over there. Well, before I left for Turkey, they tried to change my day to surgery and all. I was gone on a Wednesday getting done the Thursday. They tried to change me to a Saturday. I'm like, no, no, I'm getting done tomorrow. I'm not getting done at all. Because I'm the type of person, if I have to wait around, I will chicken out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then that's when I noticed my whole surgery was different. And that was an 11-hour surgery. Did you get all of the surgery at the one time? The liposuction, the tummy tuck, the breast lift, everything? Yes. Okay, I got so, it all done at once. So that's a lot, isn't it, to go through an 11-hour surgery like that? Yeah. Pain, and I still have, like... I can't feel my side still now. I still have a wound that I still am going to a clinic for and I am numb. Like, my stomach, my hips, my sides are all numb. But after, the, after surgery, you're in intensive care. Um, then you're in agonising pain, uh, screaming in pain. Um, but yet, with, in spite of all of that pain, two days after it, you're told you can be discharged. Yeah, so they were like, oh, you can you can go to a hotel and stuff. And I was like, no. Later that night, I ended up taking a turn for the worst. I needed blood transfusions. I was, they told me I was bed bound. I wasn't allowed out of the bed. And then two days after that, I had to fly home. I had two flights coming home because they couldn't get me on the flight to come direct home. I had to get wheelchair assistance that I had to cry for because they didn't arrange a trip for me. You were abandoned, really, weren't you, to your own devices? Yeah. Like, they were meant to follow up with me. They don't reply to me. I went back to see the doctor there in January to be like, what did you do to me? How am I so bad? And stuff like that. He didn't see me. Um, he, They told me, he was, I, even though I told him two months in advance, I'm coming over on these days to see the doctor. He told me, great, he'll see you and all. They told me he's busy in surgery. And I was sitting out at the coffee shop and I caught him five times that day having tea and biscuits and chat isn't that awful you went all the way to Turkey and could see him but he wouldn't see you yeah it was ridiculous oh my god that's shocking it really is it's shocking I want to pick up on the final part of our conversation if you don't mind after uh, 11 Jade so I hope you can hold on because I want to just get to the end of our conversation text 0868104106 back after 11 Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Just to finalise and just finish up my conversation with Jade from before 11. Jade, thank you for holding. I do appreciate it. Can I just ask you, how did you pick the clinic hospital that you picked? See, I was over in that hospital here in 2021 when I got a gastric sleeve. So that's how I knew the hospital and then they were having these open days. So I, I actually went to two open days. So the gastric um, sleeve had no problems, no? No problems. I, that that was why I said, right, I'll go back to that hospital. I trust it, had faith in it. They called the one, the surgery that you did was a mammy makeover. Is is that, I hope yeah, that's kind saying makeover. that. Is that what they call it? Yeah, the yeah. liposuction, tummy tuck and breast lift. Um, and how are you now? Because this is, uh, it's not too long ago. 
for seven months, but I'm still not healed. I still get twinges, pains. I my some parts of my stomach's numb. My sides feel like sponges, like spongy, and I still have an open wound on my belt. And what's what's gonna? Will will all of that improve over time, or, or what? That's what I'm hoping. James's St James Hospital. I'm there in the plastics. They think that in a year or so, my I should be able to feel my sides, and it should the lipo should stop being spongy. And you know what are what are the surgeons and the medics who are looking after your treatment in Ireland saying to you about overseas surgery like that? Well, obviously not to go, and like they were like, right, there's nothing you can do now because I was I was in that much of a crying. I was like, I know it's enough when. They were like, you really were buttered. Like, I really was, like, they said you should have waited and stuff like that. But I just didn't think I could ever afford to get the would you done over here. And yeah. I'm, I know I'm so young, like, I don't even have kids or anything like You're that. You're only 22, yeah, of course. You wanted, a, you wanted it right so you could get on with the rest of your life. There's all sorts of good reasons for doing what you decided to do. But the Irish yeah. medical system then has to pick up the consequences of that, doesn't it? Yeah, but if... Things were more available over here. Maybe I shouldn't. I, I'm not saying it's my own fault for going over, but everything over here is so expensive. I don't think there's any blame on you or other people when surgery goes wrong. It's not your fault. It's their fault. Yeah, but there's nothing like they should really. I wish I never went because I could have. If I ever did get over here, I could have had follow ups over here, which is like, obviously over there. You have when you come home, you have nothing. Like you have a WhatsApp group. That's all you send pictures. We'll show your surgeon. Never get back to me what he says or anything like that. I know. Travelling over and he wouldn't meet you. Enough said, says you. Well, hopefully in time. You know, you may live with regrets now, but hopefully in time, all will improve and all will heal, right? Yes, I'm hoping for that. All right. Look after yourself. Thanks, Jade. Appreciate you taking the Thank time you. this morning. All the best. Text 0868104106. A lot of texts on this, incidentally. Get involved in the conversation. I had bariatric surgery done uh, two years ago, at the age of 30, I went to Lithuania. Uh, I think Irish doctors have some nerve coming out and speaking out about people having this surgery. I would have been eight to ten years waiting for the surgery here, and it was next to impossible to even get myself listed as a patient. I was referred two years ago, and I still haven't even had a consultation. I have been obese all my life. Uh, bullied a lot as a child and a young adult. The trauma of what happened to me and how I was treated caused serious mental health issues and doctors only suggested lose weight, lose weight. I've been treated like a second-class citizen all my life, laughed at, ridiculed, and the medical professionals blamed my weight on everything. Having weight loss surgery was the best thing I've ever done. I'd do it again in the morning if I needed it because Ireland treats fat people badly and although obesity is a disease, people are just left to their own devices. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868 Calls on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Mark is standing by. Just a couple of quick texts ahead of that. Uh, I'm getting root canal treatment done next week on one tooth here in Cork. It will cost me 950 euro. 950 euro. That's pretty much a thousand, a grand for root canal on one tooth. So you compare that with overseas. It will be substantially less abroad. Just listen if you're discussing getting safe surgery for gastric bypass. Your surgeon, Colm O'Boyle, advised people to get private health insurance to cover it. 
But if somebody is taking out health insurance for the first time, there's a five-year waiting period for pre-existing conditions. Pre-approval may be needed for those types of procedures. So people should check in advance to make sure everything is okay for them if they decide to take out private health insurance. Just a heads up in case listeners think they would be covered straight away. Don't give out my details. I work with a healthcare provider. Thank you for the tip. And of course, you're absolutely right in that regard. Uh, keep those calls coming. Um, another one here says, um, with uh, Irish surgeons also do similar to what they do in Turkey. I had surgery done a number of years ago in Ireland and I was given a list of people who had had the surgery done by the surgeon to talk to them directly. Same as the Turkish surgeons do. Now, I don't think it is the same. I think that what's happening with Turkish clinics is that they are contacting clients uh, who've had work done, offering them money and paying them money uh, to refer other people. And they also are engaging with influencers and bloggers uh, to promote their clinics and their hospitals, and they are paying them for it. And there's a big difference there, very, very big difference. You, you might even call that a form of pyramid selling. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking the call. So you um, had bariatric surgery. Was it a sleeve or a bypass or what was it? Um, bypass knee. Okay. Did you price it here? Um, I actually had it done here um, through Colm O'Boyle and the bonds. Um, oh, okay. So Colm did it. He was on the air with me earlier this morning. Yeah, I, yeah I've had it done, yeah. How much? Uh, December 21. Um, in relation, we were just talking, I heard that about the cost, they were saying around 10, 12,000. I've had it done through, we say, my healthcare provider. I was lucky enough to be able to do that. I hit their criteria and met it. And even with their help, which was probably up over 12 to 15,000, I still had to invest, we say, six to 7,000 of my own money as well. So it's, it much exceeds, we say, somebody going to Turkey. And I can wholeheartedly understand why somebody would go to Turkey. Okay, so if it, if it was at least 20 grand... 15, say, of which was paid by your health provider, you paid the balance, could have been five, six, seven grand. That would have been 10 times the price. Yes, close enough. Well, like, my, we say, my, the cost I have also covers my aftercare, you know, which would be meeting my consultant every, on the third month, on the 12th, on the, you know, the sixth month, and on the 12th month, the 18th, mm. you know, on an did, you, did you ever price overseas? Uh, no, I, 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 I could have, but I was lucky enough, as I said, I met the criteria for my health insurance, you know, so... What is the criteria? Like, uh, many people would have health insurance, I but be unaware that you get... Do you have to have a body mass index of yes, 22 do, yeah. or 25 or something? Well, no, it's got to be up over... I think if it's up over 40, 43 from, in my case. I'm sorry, the 22 to 25 is for, is for the pen, the weight loss pen. My apologies. Yeah. So yeah, you'd have no, to have a body... That would be... Very, very overweight. Nearly half fat. That's basically for, for to hit the criteria. Now, the two insurance companies are different. Um, they could have changed now, but I think VHI at the time was a 40% BMI and Leia were up around 43%. So, like, with that, I didn't... Or I half your body weight almost is just fat. Nearly. It's not, it's not exactly, but and half had you Had you tried everything in advance of this? I suppose, yes, uh, I would have been the Slimmer World, done that, went doing exercises and bits and pieces. And I don't know, maybe I just built differently than a lot of people. You know, I, I, I don't know, I, I tried it, a lot of it failed. It was, I had success in some cases, I'd lost three and four and five stone. But in the 14 to 12, we said the 13 to 14 months since I've had it done, 
I've done and done over seven and seven and a bit stone, which has made a huge difference. Okay, and every every week you continue to lose weight now? No, no, I'm after plateauing now, I think, do you know what I mean? Like before, the weight came off in huge amounts, where now it could take a month to lose two pounds for me at the moment. That's just the way, like, we go through things called stalls. You You lose an awful lot of, we say, body weight, you know, within a month, and you might not lose anything. You'll be saying, oh, this isn't working for me. But it's just to get your head in the right place, keep doing what you've been told. And that's, because that's my heart goes out to the people that had bad experience, whether it be here or from Turkey, you know? Like, it's, it's you. I was listening to that girl earlier on there, and I said, so sorry for yeah, I really yeah. did, you know, Jesus, it was dead. Yeah. But what was, your, what was your highest weight, if you don't mind me asking? I topped up over 22 stone. 22. So that makes yeah. you now around about 15 stone, is it? Yeah, just close enough to just under it, actually. Okay, yeah. that's that's a life-changing amount, body-changing it amount. Is, it's huge, yeah, it is huge. I mean, like, it's given me and my family a new form of life, to be honest. Okay. Are you happy at that, or do you want to lose another couple? Um, like, I, I'm very happy to where I am at the moment, but I still have things that I have to listen and do. Like, you've heard it there while ago, so retraining your brain, rewiring yourself. You know, I fully understand where people, you know... like. Where are the challenges? Is it that you are hungry even though you can't eat? No, I'm, I'm not hungry. Like, I can't say I'm hungry. It's, again, it's the head... Your head wants the full place and you can't get through it. No, I'm, I'm dealing with that. You know, my family understand it. Do you know what I mean? Even some of my friends and me go out now if we're going socialising, you know, they can understand why I'm not having a full meal. As I'm ordering off the kids' menu. The kids' menu, or can you not get yeah. can you not get starter portions of things, or ask yeah, for smaller? Yeah, but you know, I find that the, some of the kids' menus are good enough for me. Yeah, but like, what are they I, feed? They don't feed the kids the best on menus. I mean, no, some people are trying harder, but it can be sausages and chicken nuggets and plain pasta with tomato sauce and stuff. Yeah, absolutely, plain plain pasta, tomato sauce. Do you know things like that? It's that's fine. I I'm lucky as well where. I'm out of the situation where not I can almost eat everything now. Do you know, it's just the amount. How much can you eat? What, like what, exactly? Um, I suppose it, like, at the moment I can get through a chicken breast. No, bear in mind I'm 14 months down the line now. A you chicken know? breast and what? Do you have sides chicken with it? Breast, yeah, I'd, I'd have, we say, a spoonful of mash. I could have my veg. But it's all about eating properly. And my dietitian up in the Barnes Dermot was fantastic for me. He taught me how to eat my meals properly. Do you know? Before, I would have eaten everything and kept the nice things to last. You know, the lump of steak, the chicken breast. I don't know why people do that. <laughs> that oh, well, blows, my just, son does that. It blows my mind when I see people Yeah, do well, this, oh, this is the way I suppose I ate. This what? is what I had going on. Where now, I get the protein into me first. I get the vegetables. And then if I have the room, I'll take the carbohydrates then after that. But you're not, all about, but you're, you're not supposed to eat that. You're supposed to eat it all together, her. <laughs> like a well, clock go around the plate over and over again like, no, for, for me no this is working I, I, <laughs> no I know it's working for you and far be it for me to criticize I just can't yeah. understand why people we eat one type of food first then the next beat then the next beat and then until all the food is gone it's all about I suppose the room that is available for me at the moment if I can get the more protein I can get into my body the less hungry I'll feel and the, the less that I'll have cravings for this and cravings for that so it, it, this works for me you know, I'm not telling anybody out there to eat this way. But what I'm saying is... <laughs> I know. And, and it's important that you stick to your regime. I'm just yeah. more of a fan of food fusion, you know, where everything comes yeah. together on the fork. 
yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's just weird, you know? Do you know, it's, it's just in relation, like, I still have cravings, I still want my bags of tarot and bits and pieces, and I'm at a situation now where I can have them, yeah. if I want them. Yeah. Do you know, but it's been a long road, and for anybody that's facing into it, it's fine to hear me saying, oh, it's fantastic, it's the best thing you'll do in your life, but there's an awful lot that else that helps, that, that has repercussions. Family life can be hard. I remember sitting down Christmas Day at 21 and only being able to drink liquids because I had my surgery two weeks beforehand. Do you know what? And my family having Christmas dinner in front of me and, and my kids looking at me saying, what's going on, lad? Do you know? Yeah, but they look at the so, change in your shape and yeah, your body weight, course, so that's the course, upside. Right? Yeah, but there's little challenges for everybody in life. You're you know never I mean? going to have a big feast ever again on Christmas Day. Probably not a big feast, but I'll, be, I'll do better than I did in 21. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And my family would be in a better position as well, where, you know, it, was, it wasn't a miserable Christmas, don't get me wrong, it was just a different Christmas. It was our first Christmas where it was just very hard. I know, and actually I think you were saying to the lads that your dad sadly died young with heart disease. Yeah, disease. Heart disease was, that a, was that a worry for you? Huge, a huge worry. Like, I suppose, like, all I want to do, I know what it's like to grow up without, we say, a father figure, but, you know, my mother was both my father figure and my mother yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't lose out in any way that way. I just didn't want my kids to, to experience that. I don't I mean? want to drop dead from the weight and leave my children young. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was borderline diabetes. I was had a bit of sleep apnea. My blood pressure was huge, you know. Like, I wasn't medicated for it, but all that has disappeared for me now. Do you know, it's gone. You know, that's, you know, it's in the rear of your mirror for me at the moment. Fair play to you, Brian. Fair play. Delighted you know, for you that everything worked out. I, I think, but in regards to the, anyone that has had a bad experience, either here or what I'm hearing from in Turkey, I, can, I wouldn't really tend to give out to them. I'd leave them alone. They've made, whether they'd consider a mistake or not, that could have been me, only for... The fact that my life and I qualified under those conditions through my health insurance. Yeah, I know. That I know. could have been me. Yeah. Like, I can fully understand the decision they made to go to Eastern Europe or into Turkey or wherever. Like, you but know. They probably, don't have, they probably don't have health insurance to begin with. That's exactly. But as I'm saying, that could have been me. But anybody who, who has health insurance and doesn't meet their specific qualifications to get it are in the exact same boat mm. as them. Do you know, if you don't get over, we just say 40, a BMI of 40, like you don't qualify under that healthcare regime, like, do you know what I mean? That's it, So you that's still it. have to go and do, yeah. and outside you paying, having to pay your, we say your four, five, six thousand jora, you're still going to have to pay the hospital fees, which turn into, what, 12, 15,000 jora? You know? Yeah, it's the problems when it goes wrong. We've been talking a lot about this morning. Yeah, and you know. as I said, I and hope, however, had a bad experience, I really hope that life works out from because that could have been me. Okay, look after yourself. Thanks, Mark. Great to chat. Thanks well, for listening. Take, well, care. Take care. Take uh, care. There's the story then of the woman who jetted to Istanbul to get dental crowns and root canal surgery. The package uh, that were offered was for 28 crowns, one bridge for a missing tooth uh, that she had, root canal, hotel accommodation, and transfers. To and from the airport, it was a cost of 3,600, so a lot going on there. But instead of crowns, the clinic cut corners and fitted several strips of false teeth instead. These are known as bridges. They were even fitted incorrectly. She's in agony, facing massive debts to have all of this work corrected. Her dentist said he has to refer her to a medical dentist now, and the cost will be, wait for it, €21,000 to fix the work done in Istanbul 
which cost her 3600 and was a botched job. Another person was saying she paid under 5000 for breast augmentation, liposuction and a tummy tuck in Turkey. So five grand for all of that. Uh, that included flights and two weeks in a hotel. The after, aftercare was inadequate. She was left alone in pain. Uh, she was left with fluid dripping from an open wound in her back. She had a burn on her face and two black eyes from a cauterizing tool. This is one of the hot tools they use, which was dropped on her. Um, she was later told it was a third degree skin burn and that she would need to get a skin graft. She developed necrosis um, in her breasts, which is where the body tissue just dies. Um, one of them is black and weeping and will need further surgery. When she returned home, she had to get treatment for open wounds and will need follow-up treatment in the future. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Uh, I don't mean to be scaring people, but you know, maybe you know, the vast majority of the cases of people going overseas are very happy and people are totally okay and completely content. What was your story in Estonia? Um, well, my story in Estonia was obviously, I think you all would have to do your research first. Um, Turkey was never going to be an option for me because there was just too many horror stories coming out of there. So I would never have considered going to Turkey. Yeah, yeah. But actually it was um, an article in the examiner of one of the journalists um, had actually gone to Tallinn and she wrote about it. So I actually made contact with her just through email. Now, to be fair, she didn't really actually give me a whole lot of information. So I just did more research on it. She'd had work done there, wasn't it? She had bariatric surgery done as well. Right. Okay. I think I know that article and that journalist. I think I actually spoke to her on the air some years back about it. And she told the story in the examiner from start to finish. So you had, again, let me ask you the same thing. Had you tried everything to lose weight? I... I had tried absolutely everything for about 20 years um, after I had my kids and you're settled and you're doing whatever. Had tried absolutely everything, Weight Watchers, Slimming World, private or personal trainers, absolutely everything. You A lot of people some. resort to um, slimming tablets and pills and things. Well, no, I never did that. No, you didn't go that far, but people do and they buy all sorts they of do. junk online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and as I said, you'd lose a bit of weight and you'd be going great and then something comes up like Christmas or Easter and back to the same. It was just like a vicious circle of it. So after my research, I made contact with um, the hospital in Tallinn and, yeah, I was able to make an appointment and I left on a Monday morning. It was three flights from Cork to, I think, Gatwick and on to Tallinn. Um, arrived on a Monday night late. We were put into a hotel. We were collected from the airport into the hotel. Picked up the next morning at about, I don't know, 7 o'clock. Taken to the hospital and everything was done on the Tuesday morning. Bloods were done. You were spoken to about everything. Make sure you were happy with everything. No language problems. You weren't one of the people no who was in Turkey trying to problem, do Google no. Translate. No, and the hospital was state-of-the-art, absolutely magnificent hospital, Spotless clean, absolutely amazing. Um, and I had my surgery on the Tuesday afternoon and we were back in Cork um, Friday before lunch. No issues, no problem. And the total cost, my partner came with me um, for everything, flights, accommodation, transfers, a whole lot worked out at, um, I think, 7,000. Oh, now you're talking an awful lot more than Turkey then. Well, that included a private room. My partner stayed with me. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. But you know what? I did my research and even compared to Ireland, first of all, if you had to do it publicly, I think the wait was about 10 years. Do you say five to 10 years? You're saying it's probably closer to 10. Yeah, I think it's about 10 years of a wait. Um, and then I also inquired about getting it done privately. And I think it was hitting about 20,000. Yes, that's what the lads were saying a while ago. Mark just said that closer to 20 or maybe even more. But what if something had gone wrong when you came home? Estonia is a far away place. It is. Um, and I also think that maybe if I felt any bad vibes there that I may not have went through with it. Yeah. But the doctor was amazing. The follow-up um, was amazing. No, obviously just through email. Um but then you're given access to a private group for everyone that's had it done or are going to get it done. And I have never seen one bad incident. How did it change your life? You clearly lost a considerable amount of weight anyway. Um, I think I lost seven, seven and a half stone. Um, It's been a complete life change. And now I'm lazy, Neil. I have to say I'm not much of a walker. And I think if I really, really put in the major effort... I probably could still lose a bit more, but I'm absolutely very happy with the way I am now. Absolutely delighted. My life has changed completely. I can do things even if we're going on holidays. I have no issues travelling, walking, doing anything like that. It's it's amazing. It's, it is a life changer. Now, obviously, there was a complete wardrobe change over the years because your body was getting smaller and smaller, so you were able to wear a lot more clothes that you liked and were more fashionable and exactly. stylish and colourful. You were kind of, you were, were you tending to try and hide the weight? No, I suppose, no, nowadays, there's a lot more choice for people anywhere bigger people, there is a good selection of stuff you can buy, the shops are doing extra sizes, bigger sizes but there's nothing feels better to go in and just be able to pick up something off the peg and know that it's going to suit you and you know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, like one of the in girls... In my situation, it's fantastic because that's been a life changer. Yeah, life changer. One of the girls already said that she was she was slow to stand in for photographs or group yeah. photographs and things like that, you know, that uh, even looking back at some of the photographs, she was even afraid of where she'd sit in case she'd, you know... Oh yeah, God, and I think as well, you also, you also get into the habit of anybody taking a picture, you know, you say, oh, just from the head up now, just from the head I up. Know, and, I know, I know, I know. You know and portion um, size, are you okay with all of that now? Um, well, you know what, Neil? I actually was never much of a big eater as in potatoes and dinners. I was actually more of a junk food person. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, I think probably most days we have chicken um, or steak, but I'm still not much of a mashed potato kind of person. Yeah. That wouldn't bother me. But does the, um, do, you, do you still I eat still the love junk? My chocolate. Yeah. What, are you still I eat? do still love my chocolate. I do. Yeah. Um, and I suppose I'm about four years into it now, so I know what I can have. I know what I can't have. And that's actually it. It's just your mindset changes. Okay. Okay. And okay. just don't overdo it. But in, And I know I'm very lucky. I know I'm one of the lucky ones that had a really positive outcome. But personally, I couldn't recommend <coughs> um, Talon anymore. They were absolutely amazing. So your trip actually was as a result of Suzanne Harrington's examiner article, yes, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I remember chatting to her about that at the time. She went out to the same clinic as you. And she that did. was the endorsement that you needed. Yes, as stay. I said, I sent her an email. Now, I actually didn't get a whole lot of information back from her. So I did more research on my own and, you know, 
So, no, and I actually have to say I'm quite happy to recommend it to anybody. All right, girl. Look after and yourself. And still nowadays, when I hear people saying they're going to Turkey, I actually feel sick. That was never going to be an option. There's just too many horrors. There's a lot of people of that have, though, and they've had no problems had whatsoever. Success, yeah. But I think if you're going to do something like this, Neil, you actually, if there's the slightest chance, you, you, you can't do it. It's your life. If there's the slightest chance, you think for you the gamble is too high. I understand that. The gamble is too high. You weren't willing to take that gamble on price alone. Yeah. All right. Nice one. Thanks so much, Karen. Look after yourself. All the best. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Just briefly, in other news, this is unfortunate. It's uh, obviously somebody whipped it. Can you help me? My husband came from the from London Stansted last Thursday on a Ryanair flight after coming through security he realised he had left his wallet on the seat he said it to a worker she radioed onto the plane as he wasn't left back onto the plane in the space of those 10 minutes his wallet had disappeared all he wants back is his licence and his cards any idea what we can do as they are a disaster Ryanair should we just give up well that's unfortunate um, just let me let me clarify something he, he's definitely sure that he left it on the seat just saying he realised that he left the wallet on the seat so let's assume that the wallet was on the seat and he walked off the plane right other people walked off the plane behind him so either one of those um, whipped the wallet as they were getting off right or else it was staff whipped the wallet or somebody who was working or doing whatever they do on the plane. I don't know, but certainly it, it's gone, right? We contacted Cork Airport, um, their communications officer, Barry Holland. He got in touch with both the airport's lost property and then with Swissport. They do all of Ryanair's operations on the ground at Cork Airport. No luck, sadly. It appears the wallet never made it off the plane. Made it off the plane, all right. But we don't know in the company of whom. That's unfortunate, isn't it? That kind of dishonesty. It's shocking. I don't know what else we can do. I just really and truly don't. Um, you know, plane was checked, whatever. It was cleaned. You know, other people got on. Um, it happened last Thursday. I mean, somebody may well have it and think what, they, you know, might want to give it back. And if they do, they can contact me, text 0868104106. Um, that was last Thursday. So, um it could also, I mean, if it was on the seat, it would have been spotted, right? If it had fallen over onto the ground or whatever, it may not have been spotted and somebody getting onto the plane might have picked it up on the leg back out of Cork. I don't know, but certainly somebody took it. And it looks as if at this stage, you ain't going to be getting it back. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, that's what I just said. I said it could have gone back in the outboard flight, gone back to Stansted with somebody else on it. And it may not have happened to Cork Airport. I don't know. Uh, in other news... Um, uh, yeah, I, I accept what people are saying there. You see some text coming in there with people talking about, um, seriously, like, your show this morning about people too lazy to go on a diet but pay thousands to have someone cut them open instead and cheat the weight off. It's cheating the weight off. Well, I suppose that's fine if you're in a position where you don't need intervention or you don't need surgery or you're not carrying huge amounts of weight that you just can't shift. You call it lazy. People are too lazy. That's fair enough. Hello, David. Uh, uh, let me get back to the yes, phone sir. lines, though, and see what others have to say on the matter. Um, David, good morning. You should be on line three. David, morning to you. Uh, talking about, can you hear me okay? Yeah, are you here? Are you with me? I can hear you. Um, just with regards to botch jobs, right? And while this, mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't actually related to weight loss surgery botch jobs, 
The, but no, it, no. it was surgery really on your bowel for cancer, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. I had cancer. I had uh, surgery for bowel cancer in 2001. Everything was great. Next five years, I went back doing normal things, you know, the whole lot. Yeah. But something happened again in 2006. And I went back to the hospital. I think three times they took blood tests telling me I didn't have cancer. And then I insisted on having endoscopy, their camera work. Why did you think there was something wrong? Were you unwell or something? I was in agony. Agony. Anyone who has had bowel cancer will tell you it's agony. So when I had, uh, I went back to the results of the camera work and that was the first time I met a man who had operated on me. Yeah. And I got caught in the bat and what he said when I went in. He said the cancer was back, which I knew. He said, I'm very sorry, he said. That was my fault. I left cancer in you. I didn't think there would be a problem. He, apologi- no problem he apologized? Yes, he apologized to my face. I left cancer in you because, un- unfortunately, sadly, and I know this from experience, surgeons will say, I have done the best I can now. Um, I've taken out as much of it as I can. We'll try and mop up a lot more now with chemo, radiotherapy and things like that. Do you know what I mean? That's what they, that's what they can say. Yeah, but I'm quoting you verbatim. And he said, you will have to come in back in again, he said, to have a more severe operation than the first one. And it was severe. It wrecked my life. I had six months chemo and two more surgeries all over a botched job. I hear people saying that they can't eat. I was a girl who could eat anything. Anything. Very healthy. Loved greens. Loved vegetables. Now they're taboo. Cannot touch them. I can. But I will suffer for it. What did you say to him when he said... What was it he said again? He said, I'm terribly sorry. That was my fault. Yeah, that was my fault. I left cancer in you. I didn't think there would be a problem. What did you say to that? I might have been in agony for nine months. I'm shaking on the floor, sitting down. What could you say? You're gasping for, you're just trying to stay alive. But did you subsequently look at legal action or anything? You see, this is the point I come to, Neil. I'm old, old school. I didn't even think you could sue a doctor or a hospital. Well, they have medical insurance for these kind of things when they go wrong. But but it's it's not mentioned to you. You you they play on your ignorance of the law. Surely somebody should have said to me, "You should be, you know, legal advice." Nothing. That man rode off into the sunset with maybe half a million more plus salary, and I got a disability pension. Could work no more. So by the time that you realised that you could have taken some sort of legal action. There was a statute of limitation, was there? This, I think this must have been set up by the, 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 the surgeons. There's a statute of limitation, two years and a day, and then you have no recourse to the law whatsoever. Having said that, no. you never got that admission of fault or apology in writing, did you? That was just something that was... No, no, that was word of mouth. That's all. What could I do? Did yeah. you, did you like... You're standing there in agony, waiting to go in and have major surgery again. You know, these things don't cross your mind. I know, I know. But you're left with the consequences. Has life been tough since then, so? 
I put it like this. It's become embarrassing even in the house. Now, just before Christmas, just to try and get to before Christmas sometime. I love walking and I was all walking and I started to stagger. And I was blaming the bad footpaths and my shoes and everything else. And then I was starting to get fainty, folly, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never yeah. fell, but got my seventh position, I was okay. And found it very, very hard to get out of bed. Desperately hard. And that, that frightened me. So I went to my local GP. He's in Blackpool. You know who he is. And he took some blood tests. That took a long time to come back. And then his nurse phoned me and she said, look, I think the doctor needs to see you. So I went down. I said, what's, what's wrong? And from what I did, I don't know what doctors was, but what it came across to me was my food is leaving my body so fast that my body can't absorb the minerals and vitamins that I need. So he put me on B12 injections. That's where I'm on now after a botched job. God almighty. The risk of going into a hospital for surgery, you know. Like, I didn't think, like, my old saying was like, you're not supposed to go more of a hospital worse than when you went in. Mm. Mm. And I did. Mm. And I have no recourse to the law. And I wish somebody would look that up because my life has been desperate. I, I, I've extended family in England and going over for funerals and things can be very, very hard. Why? Why is it awkward? Because I need, if if I'm planning anything, it's planned with the availability of a toilet. Yes, I know, I know, I know. That's how it is. I know. That's the the life sentence you were left with. That's what the life sentence And This guy rode off into the West and uh, an unblemished record, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Just told me, didn't vote in writing or, or, or reported to his employer, you know, look, I've made a bad job here, look, we better do something about this. No, 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 you know, that's okay, let him off. The two, and a, the two years is up, so... I'm well, I suppose I'm, you, you describe yourself as being old school um, in the sense that there will be a lot of respect, and it's important to respect people, but I think certain sections of society probably got too much respect. It was almost like a reverence given to them, you know, where... They, they were they were better than us, and clearly they were more skilled in what they did than us. But that we we put our trust in them, and we were respectful, and we minded our p's and q's around them. We were that way with the church, for instance. Doctors were like that as well. You know, politicians we treated them differently. You know, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and and you see, they treated us differently too. They treated us with no respect. All right. Listen, sorry to hear your tale. Sorry, David. It's a, it's a shocking story. Um, mind, m- mind you, if there's somebody actually who may be able to help you in that regard, but we are talking about quite some time ago, 2006, I think, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but yes. it, it didn't matter. It could have been happening in 2013. Yeah. Two years in a day right. is two years in a day. Yeah. That's yeah. it. This is what I'm saying. Like, and if you can do anything for not financial, I'm talking about that at all. Did, did you see what bothers me is this, this, this statute of limitation. I know, I know. This should not be there. If you're hurt, you're hurt. And somebody hurt you, you should have recourse to the law. All right. Okay. 
Okay, appreciate you taking the call. Thank you, David. You never know who might get in touch, but we, I certainly have a look at it myself when I get off the air as to where we're at with regards to neg- medical negligence and the length of time they're in. Back after the break, text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Okay, big night on tonight and I'm going to give away some double tickets for our thank you to Lloyd from Murphy Stout Whiskey. He's given us four pair of tickets for the ble- for, to the Glen Boxing Club's 100th anniversary celebrations tonight. The Tarnished will be there. Other dignitaries will be in attendance and famous people on the guest list as well, including the Butterer with lots of other Cork musicians. Music from 7 to 9. Packy and Steve Collins are bringing down the best and brightest boxing talent to their camp, which begins at 9pm tonight. All-Ireland champions, potential world champions will all be fighting. Uh, also, with the Paris Olympics next year, there could be some future Olympic medalists boxing tonight. So we have four pairs of tickets to give away for that uh, for the Glen Boxing Club 100th anniversary celebrations tonight. If you'd like to go along, then text 086-8104. Sorry, pick up the phone 818 Pick up the phone. We've got four pairs to give away. Last, but it's on at the City Hall, lads. I didn't say it in the press release or I didn't say it in my information, but it's City Hall tonight. So get dialing if you go along. It'll be a great night. Last word. I, I love, I just, I love talking to the girls in Sparkle. I love meeting them. I love when they come into the studio and play. They just light up my life. They really do. They're a great couple and seriously talented. One half of them is Jen. Jen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I am laughing again, smiling. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> it is. You guys make me sparkle, sparkle. But anyway, you went to because there are good stories, right? You went to Turkey in August, right? I did. Okay. Yeah. Had yeah. you done research in advance, though? Um, so no, not really. So I kind of had an idea in January. I said I'll give myself the year now, and if I don't, kind of you know, get to where I want to be. I, it was something I was considering all right, but I hadn't gone as far as kind of researching anywhere. Um, but it was actually a friend of Caroline's had gone over to this kind of clinic that I went to um, and I did research it, research it then. Sorry, I can't even talk today. Um, You're grand. But um, yeah, I did a bit of research on the clinic and then, you know, all the reviews were quite good and I thought she was getting on quite well and I just kind of knew myself, like, you know, I'd kind of be up say seven pounds and I'd be down two pounds and then I'd be up six pounds. Why? I mean, we, you, were, you were trying everything. I mean, so why was it so yo-yo? Yeah. Um, I suppose just with myself, um, I have a binge eating disorder, so that doesn't really help with the whole um, weight loss thing, like, you know, um, and I'd be on medication then for my mental health as well, which actually kind of increases your weight as well. So I was kind of fighting a losing battle, really, like I was trying all the diets and all the gyms and the walking and the whole lot. But like, even I used to, or I'm saying to the lads now, you know, since the surgery, like I'd kind of be going to the gym trying to go to the gym anyway three or four times a week um, and eating you know very minimal amounts yeah. now because I, I literally can't I'm still only but then, but then when you were doing all of the right things would 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 you be overwhelmed the temptation or the the, 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 the would just overtake you was it? Um, yeah so like I'd kind of do say if I lost two pounds in a week I'd nearly sabotage myself and start eating all around me or again like with my mental health say I have like depression and anxiety and things like that that would be kind of a factor into like I suppose overeating or binge eating or you know every kind of occasion in life seems to be like a food occasion so like if it's a birthday it's cake if it's a funeral there's food you know there's just food everywhere all the time Um, and I was just kind of out of control with that like so I, I just had no control, whereas now I have a okay. tool that can help me but control you see, if that was, it. You if know? That, yeah, but if that were in Ireland, you would have probably had at least six months pre-surgery um, consultations with, um, you know, with, with, with psychologists, with clinicians, with dietitians, going through 
your eating disorder issues? Yeah, I suppose like I would be kind of in touch with a medical team in Middleton anyway in Olakara, um, just with my mental health. So I did kind of discuss all that with my team and they agreed that it actually was the best thing for me to do because right. it was so out of control, you know, and they knew... The oh, kind of, you had done all of that in fairness, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, I did want to kind of clear that as well, just so I didn't... What did you get done in that. Turkey then? Um, I got a gastric sleeve. Okay, so that would have cost yeah. significantly more here and probably somewhere like three and a half grand there. Exactly, yeah. So it was 3,400 for the surgery um, and all the pre-tests. You got four nights uh, accommodation, say, like in the hospital. You got two nights in a hotel um, and then I just had to pay for my flights. They were 600. Um, but overall, like I, like, I was quite sick, actually, after the surgery for about six weeks, um, just trying to adjust. And I found it very hard mentally to adjust, you know, of kind of going from binging to not being able to eat at all. That was kind but of But did you enough. still have the urge, though? Um, to be honest, no, because I was so sick. Um, I, I like most people don't get sick for sure, of course. And I, I was the one <laughs> to be sick. Um, but um, I suppose once I got past the six weeks, I was flying it. Like I can have little bits of everything now. Do you know, I can have, uh, like you know, I, like I think one of your uh, one of the people on there earlier was just saying to fill up on the protein, and that's kind of the main thing, you know, because it kind of reduces your the kind of hunger uh, hormone. I think that's what it's called. Um, that it kind of suppresses but others spoke of, others are talking about being brain hungry after you eat even though you physically can't eat anymore you're still brain hungry um, yeah I didn't really get that the first couple of weeks after the surgery alright I was starving like I, I, like most people are like oh I wasn't hungry at all but I really was starving like for the first couple of weeks um, but at the minute I suppose I'm getting used to it now I'm seven months out now um, and I'm nearly four and a half stone down so I suppose it's just I can I'm kind of taking the rewards of it as in my social anxiety is going down a little bit um, you know I can kind of look people in the eye at gigs now and stuff why, and did you, why was that an issue for your social anxiety when you when your profession needs to be that dictates you must be out there front and centre yeah literally like so it was like the dream job there I had social anxiety putting myself on stage in front of everyone all the time and trying to talk like but I was just gone so bad like I wasn't leaving the house I wasn't meeting friends I was cancelling plans like I I was really in a bad way was that weight related the anxiety though it it was yeah yeah like it was that plus my own kind of issues but um, the, the weight definitely wasn't helping either like you know so it's like being released isn't it like being released yeah. from a trap or a prison? Literally, I just feel like I have a bit of freedom because like, I'm not obsessing about food all day, every day. Do you know, if I say if I had a bad day and I was like like normal terms, I would like go have a binge. You know, I physically can't do that now because I'll just be sick. Like you know, um, I suppose just what you were saying there about the head hunger as well. I still kind of play it up, kind of too much food for myself. <laughs> so I still kind of think, you know, oh yeah, sure you can have that, but sure I can't. Like, Actually, sure, the eyes have... are always bigger than the belly, girl. <laughs> yeah. That's always the way. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Like yeah, but um, but no, I'm I'm actually glad that I got it done now. You know, I think it's made a huge difference to me, and I had a great experience over there. Like they, we had um, like English uh, speaking carers all the time, and I was never left to my own. Like the surgeon and but stuff was a, lovely now. Yeah, but it's a lottery, Jen. You just happen to you know win the lottery there because others go over and there's no yeah. English and they're doing Google Translate and it's a different surgeon and they have all sorts of issues and they're put on the plane back home with pain and then they have no follow up. Do you know what I mean? You just happen to get yeah. lucky. You know? I know, I'm in the horrors listening to the stories there before me. Um, I really was lucky, but I suppose if, like, I know everyone probably did research their clinic and stuff, but I suppose, yeah, it is a scary life because I suppose it is a lottery, really. Like, you don't know what way it's going to go. Um, 
but I suppose look in this case I was I was lucky enough that it kind of went okay thankfully. delighted for you delighted um, for you yeah. thanks thanks William have a great spring and summer and get out there gigging and enjoy life look after oh, yourself thanks Thanks. Hopefully see you soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Jen, from Sparkle. One little bit of Sparkle for you. Uh, our conversations earlier in the week with regards to what they call the famine graveyard at Cars Hill. Uh, I get that, even though I don't believe that what happened was a famine at all. Uh, Neil, just past the famine graveyard in Cars Hill, and there's a bunch of lads jumping into a white pickup with litter. They're picking it all up. Fair play to them. Uh, so at least some good came out of it and maybe that could be the start of better things to come. We'll have better things to come tomorrow. Um, have a good day. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868 106. you want to get involved in the conversation, you have a story to share, you can always email neil at redfm.ie or pick up the phone on 0818 106. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.